Look up in the sky, kids. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, I was right the first time. It's a bird. Jesus Christ, I hope that bird's tame. Oh, that bird looks tasty as a motherfucker. What are we going to do? Bite the bill to fees? Hell no. So this is the burger salesmanship on the good ship Smart Co. Eat a dick, all you haters. The bird sales with ships on the wing. Mmm, Jonathan's and Livingston sales goal. Selling you shit, son. And when he sells, he just got sang. He'll tell you where to put your money, man. Right in his little ass beak. Then he'll carry it all to places where the stars of Smodco speak. Oh, Smodco don't run on wishes and kisses, bitches. I wish it did, but it don't. We need your dollars. So don't give it to me, man. Give it to the bird. I am no good with money. Bird's like a financial genius. Bird invested in Apple in the 70s, man. And obviously a big Twitter backer. Bird got out of the music business for a collapse, though, man. He saw digital coming. He's pretty smart. After that, the bird invested in a few rental storage facilities. You see? You see? That's thinking. The bird's like Jerry Graff, man. He goes and buys a fucking list of nurses. One grand. If you pay two, I'll eat my hat. Four or five thousand nurses. It's going wild. He's doing very well, man. You hear a lot of things, but no, he's doing well. He's doing very well. Oh, the bird of salesmanship is flying, Ed Harris. Look up. Look up all these live Smodco shows, he said in a ham-fisted segue. Look them all up at csmod.com. That's S-E-E-S-M-O-D.com. This is how you come see a live Smodco show, man. Break it down, bird. Yeah, keep it soft. I got to sell now, for heaven's sakes. No apologies necessary. Uh, you know, all the, all the good is yours. Only the mistakes are mine. Ready for this list, man? Uh, this uh, some people are like ten minutes of ads. Well, I, I don't. I don't even listen to your ads. I just fast forward through them. Who the fuck you think you're punishing, Rebel Rebel? Me? I'm gonna be having fun at the live show with all the folks who do listen to the pre-show ad. Who you trying to punish is the bird. But that shit don't work, son. You cannot punish the bird. I put a bullet in my mouth once, man. A fucking bird spit it out. Do not fuck with the bird. What's a quaddle and shit, man? Now, a lot of folks have been asking, uh, hey, man, is Jay and Silent Bob get old coming to New York Comic Con this year? No, Jay and Silent Bob get old is not coming to New York Comic Con this year. Sorry. But the comic book men are, bitch. AMC's comic book men, the cast, going to be there Friday, October 12th. From 245 to 345. Oh, all five of the comic book men on stage. Uh, right from the hit AMC show. Uh, we're going to be up there. Me, Bri, Walt, Ming, Mike, showing you clips from this season, taking Q&A questions and whatnot. Uh, you know, chilling out, talking about the show right there. Comic-Con makes absolute sense. But then at night, shit's going to get sexy, son. It's going to get very sexy, man. Come join us, that same crew, over at the Gramercy Theater in town, man, right there in New York City, Niac, for our very first live performance of the Smodco podcast, The Secret Stash. Me, Brian Johnson, Walt Flanagan, Ming Mike, sitting there at the Gramercy, October 12th, the evening of Friday, October 12th. Yeah, Bird knows it. They're all getting geeky at the Gramercy on Friday, October 12th, the weekend of New York Comic Con. So, yes. We will be in New York. But hey, before that, man, don't forget Babylon 100 coming on, man. October 6th in Reno at the El Dorado Hotel. Get your tickets. Be there for the 100th historic episode of Hollywood Babylon. 
October 13th, man, which is the night after the Gramercy Secret Stash Show, I'm going to go up to Boston and do a Q&A at the Wilbur. That's right. Good evening with Kevin Smith. Normally those very short and unsatisfying. This one's minimum three hours long. October 14th, that's at the Wilbur Theater. October 14th, Comic Book Men returns for season two. Only on AMC after, you know, that zombie power hour, two-hour block. Uh, get old. A lot of people have been asking, like, what the fuck? Is Jay falling off the wagon? You know, he's, is Jay fucking, is, is he not all clean and sober? Yes, Jay is still clean and sober, kids. We just ran out of banked shows, man. Yeah, Bird doesn't like that. Bird's like, I like Jason Mewes, Jason Mewes. Maybe that's what he's saying. Uh, but we're getting back on the road, me and Mewes. Uh, Jizzy and Busy getting Izzy, man. Jay and Silent Bob get old. October 16th in Silver Spring, Maryland, man. At the Fillmore. Then we get old again three days later in Los Angeles. Yeah, over on the other side of the country, bird. We're flying on the back of the bird of salesmanship. Oh, John lives in sales goal, man. He'll never ask you to buy a second ticket to kick you off his plane. Love that bird. Uh, three days later, man, we go to Los Angeles. We're doing Get Old at the Lovitz. October 19th. Next night, Babylon in Vegas. That's right, Babylon 101, I think it'll be. October 20th at the Laugh Factory at the Tropicana. Uh, week after that, Babylon uh, at the Lovitz, October 27th. Back to our 8 p.m. show. Stick around afterwards. Come see Ralph Garman perform Batman Cacophony Part 3. Hollywood Babylon Comic-Con Theater. That's right. We're going to drop another Hollywood Babylon Comic-Con Theater Part 3 of Batman Cacophony. All-star cast starring only pretty much Ralph. 10 p.m. right after our Babylon show at the Love It's October 27th. Little shout out, man. Bring it down, bird. Sexy time. Buffalo, Connecticut, South Carolina, North Carolina, Philadelphia. You're all getting shows in November. Just go to csmod.com. Uh, for details for all the other shows I just talked about as well, csmod.com or babyloncav.com. New pods dropping this week, man. You got a brand new Smodcast with me, Moj, and Emo Kev is back. Brand new Babylon, Babylon 99, the Gretzky edition. And uh, brand new Fat Man on Batman with the Batman, the Brave and the Bolds, Diedrich Bader. Oh, what a lovely tea party it's going to be, man. Smodco is your home, kids. Nothing but fucking free fun. Unless you go and see that shit live, then we charge a little bit. The bird. Just give it to the bird. Take us away, bird. Take us to another fine Smodco podcast. All right, folks, and we're here. Welcome to Bag and Board. I'm Matt Cohen, joined by Misty. Last name, God. fake last name. You Misty. throw it out like Madonna. Well, because it's weird. You're well known, but you're not that famous yet. There's like you only so so many people could pull off one name. Hulk, one name. Boom. Madonna and Misty and Misty. So, all right, you're working. You're working it in there. Uh, welcome to Bag and Board. As we said, you picked a real good night to be here. Uh, we we spoke about. 
my love for this program before and, and all things about it. And we're, we are lucky enough to be joined by the main man, uh, Cohen Bohannon himself. He's been into tons of other stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome Mr. Anson Mount. Hello. What's up, man? Thanks so much for coming, dude. That's my pleasure. I love this is another uh, magic of Twitter kind of connection. I get most of my guests um, either. either, Was it Facebook this time? Facebook. All right. The internet works works miracles, man. Like all those um, late night shows that have like bookings. Like David Letterman has an entire booking department of like 20 people. We totally do. We totally do. It's called Facebook, and like, yeah. Well, I had to check out your show first, to make sure that you weren't axe murderers or. Well, I mean, we yeah. still could. It wasn't be. some some sort of scam. We do real quiet axe murdering. Anybody on the show. wants to interview me, I'm like, I'm immediately suspicious. Oh, get out, dude! Why? Well, you've done so much <laughs> cool stuff, and we're, and we're going to get into what? that more. Uh, well, the thing is, a, I, 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 like I said, I love your work on Hell and Wheels, dude. Nice. It's like my favorite show on TV. And then looking back at your IMDb, I realized. Oh, without the beard, I know who he is too. Like, I'm a huge Mandy, uh, Mandy Lane fan. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Boiler Room was one of my favorite movies ever made. So, there's a lot. You know, to- Mandy Lane is one of those interesting things because it was never released in I, any capacity. I was telling Misty that it was released in it, England, that's, right? That was a sign of the times for me because it was, we never released it in the theaters and it was never released on DVD or digitally. And somehow somebody got a hold of it and threw it up and. It got around. It's, it's a weird cult thing online. Uh, yeah, and I want to get more into that a little bit, but the way I found out about it was just someone had put up a trailer or something online and said, there's this there's this horror film, and A, Amber Heard is now my favorite female in the history of the universe. So that was the first time I saw the love <laughs> of my life, so that was a big moment. But it looked really, really fun, and then it never came out, and I think it... I, did it get on DVD release in the UK? Something happened in the UK where I think some people saw that would it. That would make sense. And then, uh, and then nothing for years, and then The Wackness came out. And yeah. the success of that made people go back and release Jonathan Levine's first film. Yeah. Which is how, how people saw it now. Jonathan's I think. just an, an incredibly talented. Oh, director. totally. Who, anyone who doesn't know, he's directed uh, All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, The Wackness, the 4040, I believe it's called, or the oh. film about Seth Rogen and Joseph yeah. Gordon Levitt with the cancer. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think it's 50 50. 50 50. I was close. <laughs> there, I'm sure there's some movie called 40 40. No, but that dude's super, super talented. But before we go on to that, man, so. um. The other thing I got excited about, so you agreed to do the podcast, which was super cool. I agreed to do, yes, I did agree which, to do the Which was the, the first best part. You're not here under uh, duress or anything. And then the second part was reading your tweets. I was like, holy shit, he's actually a geek, too. Like, we're going to have something to talk <laughs> I'm about. I'm a huge geek. Yeah. I'm the Tennessee version of a geek. I've noticed that, and I've, I've started just from doing the show and talking to different people. I used to assume that, like... You guys were too busy hunting and being men to like read Spider-Man books and shit. But I've met a lot of like geeks from all over the place. Misty is uh, a local, right? You guys are right Henderson. neighbors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been to Henderson. Not much there. I know. But you know, I think that they still hold the national record for the largest cocaine bust in history. Do they really? Uh, yeah, it was some huge cocaine bust just around the time I was in college. How do you not know about that, Misty? Your mom didn't want to tell you because she was, was something she was implicit. Like 400 kilos or something. Holy shit. Wow. Why did, how did it get to Kentucky? I have right. absolutely... That's a weird right. place for it to stop. Well, in the tr- really, yeah. They can be tweakers. Bro. No, yeah, yeah. Especially with meth out there. But uh, I've spoken to Misty before about it. Like, your mom had a video store, so you grew up with a foundation of like horror movies and you were also into video games and stuff like that. How Do you remember your first experience in the kind of nerd world? Were you reading comics as a kid? Were you playing video games? Ah... Uh, I, around that, I, I guess the for most of us that around my age, the first experience with any of that was Atari, and my parents didn't allow me to have an Atari, so of course I, I coveted the neighbor's house thing. I yeah, yeah, the neighbor's Atari, and um, I can remember, you know, 
I, I haven't had an opportunity to go back and play Atari anytime soon. It would be, it, I've been wanting to do that because I, I, it's got to be a trip. It's nostalgic. It doesn't quite hold up. Oh, it's I'm definitely sure. like a nostalgic. Like I feel like a lot of Super Nintendo games you play, you're like, oh, this is better than the day I played it. The other cool thing I feel I like you. with playing games you played when you were a kid is that you're better now, typically. Games that used to be the hardest game in the world. I'm like, oh, I'm an adult now. I have motor skills. Kind Legend of. of Zelda: Link to the Past is still just as difficult. I still, think. or that Beetlejuice game we tried to fucking play. <laughs> no. Beetlejuice for any for NES, dude, was was a tough game. So, but you grew up. Uh, so you were an Atari kid, and yet you didn't so, have one. Yeah, I didn't have one. That was the that was the first uh, strike against me. <laughs> and then um, some kids on the bus were when I God, I I must have been eight years old, nine years old. We're talking about this new thing called Dungeons and Dragons. And it sounded like the coolest thing in the world. And I begged my parents. You know, we grew up in the Bible Belt. And even though my father was a, was a theologian at one time, he was, all, he was also a very liberal man for the time and, and, the, and the region. So they got me against the, the, the warnings of the neighbors and the friends of the family that I would go to hell. They got me the... First basic edition. I wish I still. Oh had. wow! They gave me the first basic edition. I wore that thing out. That's all. Awesome. And because it's right there in the title too, Dungeons and Dragons. You would think the like if they fucking rebelled against Harry Potter for wizarding, you'd think that would, that'd be a big no no in the yeah. Bible Belt. <laughs> yeah, Pretend know. to be a wizard and a mage and shit, and like go fight elves. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, and then I ended up playing the the first edition advanced uh, for a long time, and uh, you know, and then and and I can remember. Playing it in Boy Scouts and and uh, and then later on, you know, you grow up and you get you get a car, you get a girlfriend, and and, uh, and all that takes back. And you can only play it in your spare time when you hide. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, did you ever dungeon master? Uh, not very successfully. Uh, there was an older kid on the block who was a much better dungeon master than I. But but now I do. <laughs> now, do you still play? That's awesome. So you well, it, okay. Here's the story. About about five years ago, me and my buddies in New York. Who were all my age? We we had an ongoing poker game that we'd been playing for I don't know, gosh, like ten years or something, and we got to the point where we're like, yeah, okay, we'll play poker again. And then certain people wanted to start bringing their girlfriends, and and we wanted something we could do just the guys. And we sort of simultaneously realized all of us used to play Dungeons and Dragons when we were kids. So we're like, do will it hold up? Will it That's hold awesome. up? And there's will nothing we enjoy it the way we used to. So I said, yeah. screw it, and, and I. I invested in uh, in uh, I'm sorry to say the fourth edition, and uh, no, originally the third edition. We got the third edition. We tried it out, and it was fantastic. We still were just as excited by it. But the problem we ran into is, you know, being this age, we're all so busy. We would get to play maybe four or five times a year, and every time we started again, we we would have to do a primer, and it would take us two, three hours to figure <laughs> out the math again. You had to have no, a fucking yeah. math degree. To that's my that's my that's always been my problem with D and D is I'm not good at fucking math. So <laughs> even the dice scares me. Like having to add, I would be the the biggest D and D player of all time if there was no dice rolls. If I could just yeah. pretend my way through a group with, <laughs> yeah. of adults while we drank Mountain Dew yeah. and shit, I would be the happiest man alive. But it's the numbers thing that I, I like. I almost want to give up. I've actually I've sat in on a lot of games. I've never had a character because oh, of that it's, reason it's a phenomenal amount of fun and i we later on i invested in the we got caught up in the hype of the fourth edition and the fourth edition tried to simplify all the rules and unfortunately wizards of the coast decided to take their cues from video games and they came up with uh 
I mean, if, if I said a lot of the rules, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. I mean, dude, play. 90% of my listeners would, so go for they, it. They, yeah, they yeah. came up with things like, you know, uh, action points and powers, these pow- this powers bullshit. Like RPGs, like Final it's Fantasy like, kind of like fighting. It's like sitting yeah. there in front of a game and having uh, unending, you know, things you can do. And, and like magic missiles you can throw and, and, you know, fireballs you can throw. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. So luckily they're they're coming out with a fifth edition and they're taking user comments and they're they've sent out a beta to a certain number of people and they're testing it out. So I have I have faith that they're trying to get back on track with it. And then they've taken all the suggestions cuz was it pretty wide across the fan base that no one liked this last edition? Uh, yeah, it was, okay, it so was yeah, really yeah. not popular. You would think they'd they take the it, hint. Yeah, they yeah, could yeah. tell. Everybody, most people stuck with third edition. That's cool, man. So you were playing D&D as a kid. Were you into comic books at an early age? Yeah, I, I, uh, my mother and I had a thing uh after my father passed away, we would go to um, we would take these days. She would she would she would let me play hooky, and we'd go uh, we'd go antique hunting. And I got into looking for antique comic books and that comic book stores. And at that time, comic book collecting wasn't that big in Tennessee. And you could find you could you could find some real sure, gems yeah. in the antique stores that nobody had any idea what they were worth. Do you remember any specifically that you found? I found some early. Uh, West Coast Avengers. I actually spent some really early Donald Ducks that were those are worth huge. A lot. Yeah, all those Carl Banks Disney books are like the the most valuable. They're more valuable than like Superman typically. That's yeah. a weird. Fan I think base. at one point, and I, my collection is. My mother tells me my collection is still somewhere. I don't quite believe her. I think she may have thrown it out. But at one point, I had Peter Parker number one, and I had some early X Men. Um, that's awesome, man. So that was that was your entree into comics was antique shopping with your mom yeah, on, exactly, da- on days yeah. off from school. That's yeah. great, man. Um, did it continue through high school? Were, were you like you said, you got a car and you get a girlfriend. Were you ever like fuck all this nerd stuff for a minute? No, I just I just got distracted. It was a, it was a thing that kept me from becoming an Eagle Scout too. Is it just? And just, thank God uh, for that, right? Because who needs to know how to tie that many knots, dude? That's just <laughs> creepy. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And um, and uh, well, when I started reading, you know, I started off in. And Stephen King is what got me really into into reading fantasy and horror. Same um, here. Yeah, my mom actually has every first edition book King book ever wow. written. So growing up, I had the entire King library in hardcover. So wow. at about age nine, I just started and, and read everything. King, Stephen and you know, King's he holds written. up. Every book that does, dude yeah. holds up. And I've actually that pretty soon on my list is the stand, which is supposed to be his masterpiece. And I haven't read it yet. The I'm stand really is my favorite. Uh, standalone novel but i'm a huge dark tower fan did you have you read the dark yeah, tower books? i read well i've read the first three okay which actually right now i don't know why no one's ever put you in the running for for rolling before people keep saying dude that. i just had you that know, moment they, right now it yeah, was yeah. set up for a moment recently javier bardem tim burton was gonna do it, it was gonna it. be was ron it? howard was producing it was gonna I, be I, okay i've heard of prog it was gonna be uh two movies and three seasons of television with javier bardem as roland which wow. confused a lot of people yeah. myself included yeah i don't miss quite see that my mom did Anne rice roland is like uh your quintessential cowboy like well, yeah, no, i didn't see javier bar i didn't understand i didn't see javier bardem as as anton chigore either i didn't quite I, yeah, it was I, I think he's a great actor, and I really thought what he did with the character was very interesting. It was almost like a lost little boy, but it, it definitely was not who I saw. Were you a fan of the book, the No Country book? Oh, yeah. I've, I've read every Cormac McCarthy novel except for two, and I've been saving. I just recently bought one of them about, about Outer Dark, which I'm saving for my vacation, and then um, I haven't read Cities of the Plain, but but he's my probably my favorite. That's awesome. 
one of my favorite living authors. So it looks like you had all the touchstones for a great uh, geeky life. You had you had video games. You were you were going comic shopping. You you, you were way into fantasy and, and Stephen King. Did you read anyone else after King? Like, yeah, well, I, you know, I got into fantasy right after that. Um, a friend of mine got me into the Xanth series by Piers yeah, Anthony. Absolutely, I've, and uh, I've also read his um. Like on a pale horse and all the yeah. do you know those ones? Yeah. I forget what the name. I read on a pale horse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have a feeling that he doesn't quite hold up as much. He wouldn't hold up as much, so I'm afraid to go back and try and read him now. It was very. It was the, his imagination was incredible, and I think it's geared towards teenage you, boys. Yeah, it is kind of twelve year old boy shit. I've actually uh, right now I just started reading the Discworld series from Terry Pratchett. I don't know if I'm I don't know it. No, there's like 38 books in this fantasy series. It's all set on like this other world, and it's kind of Kurt Vonnegut-y. It's very comedy. He's a, he's a big British author, and I'm loving that. But but it's tough to find fantasy as an adult that doesn't. Yeah. It, you know, I, I recently tried. I never. I felt left out because I, when I was in in high school, I never read the Dragonlance novels. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I recently decided to try and read those, and it's just I, I couldn't get into it's strange, it. It's, just, it's strange, isn't it? It's Some of them, for yeah, yeah, boys. totally. And it's I can like, see how that works. And I can actually, for a few years ago, they tried to make a um, animated film of the Dragonlance novels, and I, I I heard it was terrible. But I can I can sort of see why it would be an animated thing. Dude, you know? it was just like the heavy metal movie. I'd never seen that until right. very recently. And I saw it, and I was like, if I was 12 when I saw this, this would have been my favorite fucking movie ever made. Now, <laughs> it's, it's just cartoon crazy. boobs. and like, I mean, yeah. we, You know what I mean? Well, you have to be stoned for that, man. And I usually am, but it, it, didn't <laughs> even do, it didn't even do the trick, man. There's some weird kid shows these days. They got to compete with like Yo Gabba Gabba. Adventure and Time. Adventure Time and like Wonder Pets, which I've talked about before. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cute little duck. Um, <laughs> so that's great. So you were into reading. When did you catch the acting bug? Were you were you acting in high school? Were you were you a sports guy? Like what were you? What kind of dude were you in high school? Um, if we have to breakfast. Club I was day. definitely not a sports guy. I, I, well, I was. I my like in eighth grade, I started wrestling and I wrestled for five years. Um, but Tennessee is not about wrestling at the time. Tennessee was about football, and uh, I didn't play football. Uh, I was. Before acting, you know, I was into studio art. My, my, my sister, Kristen, is a, she's a medical illustrator. Oh, wow. And she was kind of my hero, and I wanted to be as much like my sister as possible. So I took all the art classes I could. And then I did, actually didn't take drama until my senior year. But I started getting into it in junior year because I wanted to, all my friends were doing drama. And so I thought I would try doing plays because I wanted to hang out with these guys more. And, That's uh, funny. Most people's reason for doing drama was to hang out with girls, and you were like, "I just want to chill with my buddies and do plays." Yeah, well, yeah. I just, I just met, I, I just become a part, a part of this group. There was sort of all the kids in the accelerated classes. I, I, I was bored in junior high, and so my my grades really sucked. And I sort of sensed this. So starting when I moved to high school, in uh, our high school sophomore through senior year, when I started sophomore That's year, my they high school was too before they oh. before they. Um, at that time, they didn't look at your transcript from junior high to to decide to to determine what you should Place take. You, so yeah, I yeah. just arbitrarily signed up for all the advanced courses, and um, and ended up making better grades. and And I met the group of guys I wanted to hang out with, and they were doing theater, That's so funny. I wanted to hang out yeah, with yeah. them. That's the only reason I did it. And my first role was the guard in Twelve Angry Men. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the guard does he even have many laws i think he like walks in the room a couple times right to like yeah, yeah tell yeah. them to like hurry yeah. up guys yeah, yeah. it was i can remember the i to the, like the, it was i can remember it like it was yesterday the first moment i walked out on a stage it was like there's nothing been nothing since like it 
other than maybe skydiving. It was the most exhilarating feeling. That's awesome. And so you were hooked immediately? I was pretty much hooked. Although I, at the time, I also wanted to get into uh, the forensics team and the, the speech and debate. And uh, I decided to start out in debate and do in duo, de, duo debate. And it was horrible. Do you remember what you were it debating? Was, we were so awful. Do you remember what you were debating about? Uh, uh, privatizing the prison system. Nice. <laughs> That's and, something all high schoolers should have an opinion on. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then, so we were terrible. So my partner and I just decided to try duet acting and did okay with it. And then my senior year, I decided to do dramatic interpretation and made it to the nationals. Oh, wow. And I, uh, applied to, I knew I wanted to go to Suwannee because it was where my father went and they had a, it was a liberal arts school, really good liberal arts school. And they also had a very small, but very good theater program. So it was a good. It was probably still one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Is to go to Swanee. Now, were were you a stage actor kind of guy? Or did you ever did you ever have aspirations of film or TV, or did you just love being on stage when with the college came? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I I knew that I wanted to do it all, and but I stayed in school a long time. You know, I I did Swanee for four years, and then I got into graduate school at Columbia, and I went straight into Columbia. So I was in school until I was twenty five. And when I got out, the decision I made was, and I came out well represented, but the decision I made was I wanted to do theater and television and film to decide where it was that I communicated the best. And what I ended up learning was I needed all of those things to strengthen my muscles. So it's why I still live in New York because I still do. You still do a lot of theater? I still do a play every, every year or two. I do a play. And do you find that? I mean, I don't want to say more rewarding, but but the audience, it's, it's, a, it's just a different experience. It's a different, right? it's yeah. a different sport. It's 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 like, it's like the difference between downhill skiing and water skiing. It's the same set of muscles, but a completely different application. No, yeah, yeah. And you have to have both, I think, in order to grow. Um, and they exercise. They definitely exercise you in a different way. That's great, man. So, so at college, I mean, you you were doing a lot of productions and stuff, I assume, right? And in yeah. grad school and, and that. So right out of the bat, you had an agent, you had representation. Did you start booking shows right away? Yeah, I was lucky. I I have not had a job outside of acting since I got out of graduate school. Um, first, I, I got I got out and I did Shakespeare in the Park. And while I was doing Shakespeare in the Park, I got cast in a very controversial play called Corpus Christi by Terrence McNally. I think I which remember is the play yeah. about the. Um, it's about a gay young man from Corpus Christi, Texas, and his life follows the arc of the life of Christ. And the rumor going around is that that we're doing a play about saying that Jesus is gay, which is not what the play was. But we ended up all getting death threats. Oh, wow. did you play? I played the Jesus uh, yeah, I too. Played yeah, Joshua, yeah, which is the lead, or, which is yeah. the Christ-like figure. And and yeah, I actually moved apartments, went unlisted, and we were doing. We ended up doing the play. Well, they threatened at first. They pulled the play. Manhattan Theater Club pull, pulled the play Holy while shit. I was still in graduate school. I remember le- reading the headlines about this when I was still in school. And uh, after they pulled the play, every major playwright in the world said, "We are never going to do our plays at your theater again." And for a, for a theater company that only does new plays, that was a bit of a problem. If you censor the, so edgy, they said, yeah. "Okay, we'll do it," and they pushed the production back in the fall, and I ended up getting cast in the lead. And um, they uh, ended up spending about a million dollars on security. And they, wow. and uh, so we had to we had an alternative entrance to the theater, and they they brought in metal detectors and bomb sm- sniffing dogs, and you had to go through metal detectors to holy shit. Nothing ever nothing ever came of it though, right? No one ever tried to. No one ever no, ha- heckled. There was their pro- there were huge protests outside the theater, but there were also protests protesting the protests, <laughs> which, is, which are always way better than the protests <laughs> it was themselves. Weird man, we were like, and we were inside the theater, and we were like, we just. 
you know, we just want, we're just trying to do a play, yeah. man. And nobody out here, nobody outside of the theater had seen the play. What it was actually about? Actually, uh, what's his name? Donahue, the head of the Catholic League. He actually ended up getting a ticket. And he came and he and he fell asleep. I don't, I don't know what the bigger insult. <laughs> but was. that's always the case. Though I remember, I mean, back in the day when Monty Python put out Life of Brian, which was basically like a a, a Jesus film or whatever. There was a whole big like the Pope and all of them like boycotted it before anyone had seen a print of the film yet. Yeah, but look, it's look, that reactionary. Let, like, let me yeah. let me just say, look, I, I'm from the Bible, but I'm from I'm from a very um, typically conservative. Um, religiously oriented part of the country. I, I fault no one, of course, for being Christian or Jewish or or anything and following their faith. And I actually have a problem with um the the sort of um uh, the atheistic movement that's going on right now. That because I think it's just as um I think it's just as closed minded as is. Evangelical. I would want. I actually really agree with you, and not not that I'm a really religious person, but I um. There's a book by Richard Dawkins called the. I think believe it's called the God of Complex. It's basically like the the atheism treatise that was written recently, yeah. and I got like 20 pages in and was like, this is as fundamental as evangelist. Like this is just as reactionary and ridiculous as as a conservative. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just extremes on either side are. Yeah. But are the, not. the problem is that is that because I'm an actor, people people expect me to have an opinion about these things and and the the tack i keep ta- keep taking and i wish more actors would take is man i'm an actor no yeah i'm an actor i get paid to portray different human beings in different personalities and that's what i love i have i, I try not to bring my politics my personal beliefs into anything that i do because i think it's a detriment to the material it's a detriment to theater and it's a detriment, actually, to people who are interested in politics. No, 100%. So I try yeah. to keep those two things as separate as I possibly can. Well, and say, I wish that more artists did. And they say you should be a blank slate as an yeah. actor, right? You, should, you know what I mean? You're projecting. Exactly. Yeah, so to bring in your own stuff just wouldn't it wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah and I, you know, I routinely, you've probably seen me. I mean, I take the piss out of uh, other artists who, who are politically outspoken on Twitter. I do see that. It yeah. pisses me off. I don't like it. I don't think that they should be launching their beliefs. You know, I, and people have taken me to task before, too, on, on Facebook and on Twitter for for saying things that are construed as being political. I, I, I don't, I don't, I try not to support any particular candidate. I try not to do, you know, tell people how they should vote or how should they should think. Um, but we're so, I think that we are also extremely uh, wired to be offended right now. I've never seen, and I'm turning 40 years old soon, and I, I have never seen politics in this country so polarized and so heated and i think it's i think that it's un-american and i think that that it's time to get past it look i don't think mitt romney is is you know a gigantic uh monster robot from mars and i don't think obama is satan i think that they both want what they feel is best for the country and whoever wins will be my president and i think that that we need to lower the vitriol and start talking about how we can get Congress working. People use it. People tr- use it as a defining. They they, they project it onto themselves. They, yeah. their, their party and their political beliefs become who they are because maybe they don't have much substance. You know what I mean? I, I find I agree. I find it the same way. When people are super, poli- there's nothing quicker to get me to unfollow someone. When, and when they start doing the political stuff, oh, I never. Yeah. Yeah, my, Despite my it, even if it like even if it coincides with my own beliefs, because there's just no place for it. Yeah. You're not. That's not, not what you do. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Watching. So so you started off with a very controversial. 
controversial play. Um, at what point did you start uh, going, okay, now I want to try TV, now I want to try film? I mean, did you were you doing theater for a few years before you started going on auditions? Or Well, I did, yeah, there, so there was Corpus Christi, and then, um, and then I did, uh, I guess I did, I think I did a pilot right after that that did not get picked up but for CBS. And then I did a, a string of movies, and at the same, I also got a, a holding deal with CBS, which paid my rent for a long time. Very nice. <laughs> and um, but I did, I did like three, three or four movies, like right around. I did Tully, and then um, what else? I did City by the Sea. No, 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 no. I've got your no, IMDb up. You want me to give it? Yeah. To you? So what was the order? You got Boiler Room, Tully, Urban yeah. Legend, Final Cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the those were the, Are the, first, the first three films. Three. Yeah, yeah. And then there, I had. I don't know. I did a little bit more TV, maybe, and then I had another string of movies. I don't know. I, it's all starting did, to blur. Did again. you immediately take to the different medium because you'd only done stage before? Was being in front of the camera natural? <laughs> or? You know, my first my first thing on camera was an episode of Ally McBeal nice. that 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 um, David E. Kelly. He was looking to cast me in a pilot at the time, um, and he ended up not casting me. But as a sort of thank you for the audition process, he gave me a, a role in an episode of. of and I needed, I had $40 in my checking account at the time. <laughs> and uh, I actually can remember arriving at their production offices and checking in with the production manager. And she said, oh, by the way, there's the kitchens right there. Grab anything you want on your way out. And I remember I went in there and I had my backpack with me. And I I opened up the cabinets and I stuffed my backpack with snack food from their kitchen because I, I had no money to, to buy food. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say what film I did it on, but there've definitely been days where I've gone to craft service, just pulled my car up, opened the trunk, and took some cases of soda and shit. <laughs> I'm like, come on, you, you, it's out of the budget. It's not gonna affect you. Yeah. Uh, so that was your first experience. Well, was like, what, I got a food. What <laughs> is, that, is that everybody and their brother tell me, "Oh, you're about to do it. You're about to do a TV show." Okay, okay. Don't be too big. You're coming from theater, going into TV. You don't be too big. And what happened was when I was doing my scenes in Alamobile, I had this. I had this image of of the camera frame, which was like my entire body. But oh no no, I I had this picture of the camera frame being being, being like just close up. It's an extreme close up of my face, right? So I held as still as I possibly could. <laughs> I didn't do anything too much, and it was really. And then and then when I saw it aired, they had me in full frame, and I looked like the stiffest. <laughs> they went with that most take. That's amazing. <laughs> You've ever seen in oh, your that's life. Crazy. It was just a terrible performance. So all your buddies from school called you up, and they were like, "Hey, we saw you on TV. Like, <laughs> Why don't you give it up? <laughs> Congratulations, man!" Yeah. Uh, so then you went from you doing TV. Do you remember what it was like on your first big feature film? Because that's got to be a trip, man. Kid I from- guess that would have been Tully. I mean, that wasn't a. I mean, Tully wasn't independent. I, I didn't. The thing with Tully was, I did not realize how lucky I was to get that script. I I just thought, oh, okay, this is a nice independent film uh this will be a good first film to do and i didn't realize how rare scripts like that were or that or for independent films to get off the ground at all and um so but i mean i threw myself into it i actually went to nebraska for a week early and just and just uh i worked in a tractor dealership i worked for a rodeo i just sort of got into the the culture there uh and i I enjoyed the hell of it and 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 i in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm still trying to top that movie. That first experience? I, I, yeah. no, not just the experience. I think the product. In a lot of ways, that is the best film that I've ever done. Oh. I think Cook County comes close. It's a totally different thing. But in terms of a, a film that changed me and I feel like affects people in a positive way when they see it, 
I think Tully is probably the best thing I've That's ever done. That's awesome. So everyone go check out Tully, definitely, with that uh, uh, enthusiast, uh, enthusiastic, um, wow, I'm losing words, enthusiastic recommendation. Right. Thank you, Misty. You're welcome. That's I appreciate it. My grammar robot. Um, and then, dude, your 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 resume is pretty pretty extensive here. Um, there's something on there though that I forgot. Is it marked as independent? That's funny. You were in Crossroads, sir. <laughs> it was made independently. That's that's. I find that hard to believe. Paramount weirdly enough, yeah. Sort of halfway through our sh- our shooting. Um, yeah. Was she a massive? For those of you who don't know, Crossroads is the Britney Spears movie. Yeah, the Britney Spears movie. And I didn't even realize Tamara Davis directed it. It was a pretty. Yeah. Accomplished director. She directed like Half Baked and, and Billy I, Madison. Did you see uh, Basquiat? Yeah, I love Basquiat. I just, I just, I just saw her and and Mike uh, in New York. I guess, gosh, about a year and a half ago, and she she got me a copy of that, and I watched. It. I was so proud of her. That's an incredible film. So, yeah, you know, she had that footage in her drawer for about twenty years because she knew Basquiat. Wow. And she recorded all that interview footage of him at the. I think they were at the Four Seasons in L.A. at the time. That had that just sat in her drawer for about twenty years. That's so great, and she, and made, she finally she got had to some downtime, and she she looked at it again. She got, I, she says, oh, she thought to herself, "I got to finish this," and she did such a great job with it. I really like that film. So that's that's a really cool director to work with. What was it? Like? I mean, that movie though it was independent. I was working at a blockbuster at the time. I think I was maybe like sixteen, and there we had a thousand copies of Crossroads on the shelves. It was a, I don't know if it was a huge financial hit, but it was a big cultural thing at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, <laughs> was, I mean, you know, it 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 was uh, it was a trip. It was a total trip to go through that experience and to see Brit's life at that time and and to work with two other awesome young ladies and actresses. Tara no, Manning holy and shit! I didn't even. I'm looking at the. I didn't even realize oh, yeah. it was Zoe Saldana. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Taryn Manning. Yeah. Wow. Maybe I should go back and watch Crossroads. We had such a good time. That's really cool. We man. Had the the four of us had a real good. I, it, it, there were times when it was like I was really obviously I was the odd man out because it, it big it theater was, background. A lot of estrogen yeah. going on on that set, <laughs> which I actually prefer. Tully was directed by a woman, produced by a woman. A lot of the the people involved in the crew were were women, and I loved that, and and I I also loved it on Crossroads. Uh, that that I just felt I feel more secure when there are a lot of women involved for some reason, or I feel better taken care of, and there's less ego involved. I think I, I can see that, yeah, totally. And um, but it was yeah, it was a fantastic experience. But what's weird now is I actually a couple of years ago I ended up getting requested for a an interview on a college radio station, and in these. The hosts were like legitimately like this is this is such an important film to us because this, this is our childhood and and we're it's it's gotten this weird kind of cult it's thing. That wouldn't have been it's, great it's, if you'd shown up. Nostalgia, which makes me feel so old. <laughs> wouldn't it be great you showing up? I was in like a crossroad shirt with like a big Britney Spears standy. <laughs> I like, made him. Change. I would seriously. She made me change out of it. Yeah, yeah. Your character, but you know what's funny is when I was listening to your show, I pictured you guys in a in a very antiseptic studio and oh, it's so man. great to come in here i appreciate it yeah this is my my geek museum figures and your massive. your 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 posters of mask of the red death and and dark place and and oh bruce lee you got some to, great yeah, stuff i appreciate it i do i work from home a lot so i try to i i, I try you to see this stuff has in storage i do have a lot of stuff in storage it's i try to keep it as uh visually as inspiring as possible i like to surround my stuff by stuff that i really like because it it makes me want to produce my own stuff yeah if that makes any sense you know yeah, what i mean totally. yeah, yeah, yeah i appreciate it though man um and then, so Crossroads was that? Did you start getting noticed in like, in the street and stuff? I mean, had you had a taste of fame yet from any of the TV appearances or? Um, a little bit. You know, it 
but but sort of like at that stage of at that when you start doing a couple of films that are recognizable, then you mostly get recognized around events or th- places where they know famous people will be. But in in general, not you know not not too much. I mean, uh, in uh, at the time, you know, it, it, it was I guess it was really there's a level there was a level at which it became disappointing. Like I can remember still living in my studio apartment in New York and getting picked up by a, a limo to get taken down to MTV to do an interview for MTV about the film coming out and blah, blah, blah. Cause MTV was a co-producer of it. And then, uh, and I remember I'd, I'd put in a load of laundry and then I got in the limo and went down and did this interview at MTV. And then the limo took me back and I walked back in my building and I, took my laundry from the washer <laughs> and, went back and put it in the dryer. Yeah. And I realized, oh, <laughs> Normal there is life, no moment yeah. where the confetti falls out of the ceiling. You know, it's just life. life Everyone's life. still got to pick up their dog shit. It was a great yeah. realization <laughs> for me. That's awesome, man. Um, and then you started doing, I mean, Pool Hall Junkies is a great film. You, you've done a lot, a lot of film work. And I mean, I definitely think uh, what, what you've done some TV series. What are you most proud of out of your resume? Uh, like you said, Tully, but what Tully, are some of the standouts County, for you? I, I would say because I also produced it, um, and it's I would say it's one of my better performances, if not my best film performance. And um, it's great to see it finally, after having been released finally on Netflix and, and on demand and, and people around the world seeing this this thing that we slaved over in the middle of a Texas swamp with a skeleton crew for, you know four weeks roasting our butts off and me in ketosis uh, because I was playing a meth head. Uh, it's great seeing this little nascent dream sort of start to get seen around the world. That's, and that's what I love about kind of Netflix and video on demand and all that. It's just movies that in the past, like Mandy Lane, you know, that would immediately have gotten picked up and people could have seen it before it would have been in the theater. It's not, you don't have to deal with such a corporate hierarchy anymore of the movie theaters and this like, because film, I, the reason I love podcasting is because we're recording this now. I could have it online in an hour for yeah. thousands and thousands of people to hear. Yeah. Whereas films, it's like a two-year process. Yeah. Like you yeah. shoot for like, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it's such a delayed kind of uh, gratification for the art you're doing. So yeah, it is, yeah. I can yeah. see that, man. Um, I, oh, str- let's get recent work. You were in the Straw Dogs film. Yeah. Did you, how was that experience? It was great. Uh, Rod Lurie and Mark Friedman are good friends of mine. Going back to my, our, our, the telefo- television we, show we did together for ABC called Line of Fire. And when they were doing this, neither of them for, from the South. So they, they had me take a look at the script and sort of give my, my, my two Southern cents about it. You were like the military consultant, but the Southern because you know, there, there are stereotypes that, that people with good intentions don't realize are stereotypes. Right. And, um, so then, then you know they also asked if I if I would be a, a a part of it, and I just jumped at the opportunity. I had a great time, and they and I need the and I needed the work at the time, so they found a way to stretch it into a couple weeks, awesome. three weeks, four weeks, and and uh, had a really great time hanging out with James Woods and and Kate Bosworth is just a what a sweet girl, man. She's so down to earth and. So much fun to work with. That's cool. And you worked with fun. you worked with uh, one of Misty's all time crushes over here, uh, uh, Mr. Eric Northman, the Stellan, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm blowing up your spot there. He was interesting because he, I mean, he was also he was flying back to Sweden to do. He was working on a movie in Sweden at the same time. He's got such an interesting career. It does, and the, the thing about his father is one of my favorite actors yeah. ever too. So it's such a it's such a cool family that these two Swedish men have like kind of really made their mark in American 
uh, film and entertainment. You know what I mean? I really, yeah. and yet they do stuff back home all the time. They're way more famous home than they are here. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I noticed you have like a very noticeable Southern accent still. Yeah, I. Well, you know, when I first started, I worked hard on on evening it out, and I still can. Um, you could do like the non-regional news reporter accent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when I did, uh, <clears throat> let's see if I can do it. When I did conviction, when I did conviction, I talked like this, right? Um, when I did Tully, it was a more evened out Midwestern thing. Um, when I did, actually, when I did Straw Dogs, that was more, and and Cullen Bohannon is more Mississippi than Tennessee. When I was just, I was just in Tennessee, and you know that's that's much more of that. They go more in the resonators, and everything has much more of an eye in it. Um, I can attest to that. She, no, yeah, I've yeah. been starting to learn. Yeah, no, one of my good buddies yeah. from Alabama. I mean, that's the thing. People lump Southern accents into one thing. They're so different. Yeah, yeah, they are completely different. My mother has a South Carolinian accent. And that is a very specific thing as well. And they've also don't they have the weird? Is it called the brogue? Where where they? I believe it's like the maybe it's South Carolina or North Carolina. There's like those islands where people speak almost a British accent because they've been so isolated for so long. I watched a documentary on it. Yeah, I've heard about that. I don't know exactly which which accent that is it's pretty cool it's, it's real bizarre sounding you know what i mean but it's cool that this little island of like a couple thousand people it's funny my, my uncle who's also from south carolina he lived in Cal- southern california for a long time and he developed the most interesting uh <laughs> mix of south carolinian and southern like california surfer dude, yeah, yeah. and i can i can do one sentence i memorized that he did that made me laugh so much one time we're hanging out and um and we were talking about filmmakers and i brought up I brought up Quentin Tarantino and he got really excited and he goes, Oh man, I used to rent videos from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Um, that's really cool. And then amongst I mean, other other TV you did you did an episode of Lost, which was like my yeah. favorite thing ever. Yeah. I mean, not your not your episode in general, but just Lost. How was that? Yeah. Did you get to go to Hawaii to do it or I did, yeah. They flew me all all the way out to Hawaii for that one scene. I was like, damn, y'all got a budget. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> um, and it was great. I, you know, I extended my stay, and I stayed. I needed a vacation, so I stayed in Waikiki for a couple of days, just reading and getting some sun. Went scuba diving. It was fine. No, that's awesome, man. Um, I guess we should get to the big one now. About I'm gonna say, what are we doing, Misty? About two months ago. I yeah, I think about two months ago. Whenever it got added to Netflix, I watched it like immediately. We were we were just sitting. Misty was hanging out one day, and she was like, "Oh, Helen Wheels is on Netflix," and I I'd. Vaguely heard of it, I think. All day, and we just watched the entire. We watched the entire season in one shot, and I was like, "This is." I think within fifteen minutes, I had said, "This is like this my favorite TV show." I was like, "This is amazing." I only said that, and I said, "This is better than Deadwood," which got me really, really excited because I was a huge. I was been. I've been starving for something Western, man. Well, that's so good to hear you say because because so many of the critics have been like, "Well, it's no Deadwood." Fuck that! It's or it will never be Deadwood, but. It's you know, way more is like that really the only Western you can possibly think to compare us to. It's no, is but, it, but it's it, it, it is true though in in TV. How many uh, Westerns have there been recently? Hey dude, hey dude. Besides hey dude, of course. Yeah. But I mean, it's a genre that's very underserviced. I feel like. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. I, I I I was praying for about three years for a Western. I wanted. I, I kept saying to God, the universe, whoever. Every day I was like Western, Western. I want to do Western. I want to do Western. And I got it. You know because. For, for us, it's our martial arts film. That's that's like what the that. Western yeah. is for us. Because in in China, yeah, I mean, it's actiony and they love the action part, obviously. But for them, it's also a cultural 
identity thing. It's for us. It's black hats and, and white hats. It's, it's like the yeah. definition of good guys and bad guys is yeah. is, a, is that genre for us. And yeah, so we watched it right away, and I was like, how come no one knows about this show? And then I'd I'd asked I'd maybe asked like fifteen buddies of mine like, have you guys seen Hell on Wheels? And they're all like, I just watched every episode in a day, and it's my favorite show. It seemed like it caught on so quickly. Well, Netflix, it's amazing the power that Netflix has these days because yeah. our cultural um, recognition. Our fan base skyrocketed the moment that Hell on Wheels' first season went on to Netflix. That's got to be awesome for, for you guys doing the show because suddenly the second season was right around the bat and, and yeah. now it's doing it was insane really well numbers. Yeah. The, the DVD release and then Netflix yeah. and then the second season premiering. It was re really well timed. Obviously, AMC, they tend to know what they're doing. AMC's pretty <laughs> smart, man. Well, that was the other cool thing, too. I was like, wait a minute, AMC is making a Western right now? Because AMC is. My favorite television network. I, I mean, with with uh, Walking Dead and Mad and Mad Men and and Comic Book Man, our show, and you know what I mean. And they're they're just doing really really good stuff. And then I was like, they're also the grittiest and like bloodiest show on cable. So I was like, fuck, this is a real western. And that's why I I I think it's my it's so fucking. It feels so real, man. And it's so I don't want to say it's dangerous, but it's dirty. It's not a pleasant show. You know what I mean? In yeah, a good no, way. It's, it's in American a good way. in every way that yeah. it can be, including its content. You yeah, know, absolutely. We have a, a a an FCC system that allows almost unlimited violence, and so uh, we're going to take full use of that. And I remember not to comment on it, but but yeah, that's, no, that's what we're doing specifically. The when when Cole, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, and actually check it out. But there's an episode where uh, where Tom Noonan's character uh, gets does an action and gets into a uh, let's call it a scuffle, which I didn't expect. And I literally reround it like seven times. I was oh, like, this yeah. is the coolest thing I've seen on TV in a really long time, man. Oh, cool. Thanks, man. I like what I like played red. Remember I was like, I got to play red dead redemption now too. Cause yeah. I was just, I so no was funny. Is right it now. the, uh, the, the moment the, 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 at the time that I got cast, I was doing a play with a buddy of mine. I went to graduate school with out in Sag Harbor. And, um, and, he, uh, he did one of the voices. Oh, for Red Dead. Yeah, he was the the deputy marshal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. His name is David Wilson Barnes, and he and I were doing. So I brought my PlayStation to Sag Harbor with Red Dead Redemption, so that we could play it just to get. And he's deep into the game. He doesn't. He doesn't come in until deep. No, yeah, yeah. So it took us a month to get <laughs> to where his role was. And at the same time is when I was auditioning to to play this role. That's great. So and yeah. I did not come up with that costume. <laughs> you know, that was sort of given to me, but I've been accused of 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 uh, mimicking John Marston. No, nah, man, it maybe, is different. Maybe there is some influence. It's there. a good thing, though. Come on. How did so? How did Hell on Wheels come about? How did the audition process go? Was it just a general it was casting tough, man. thing? Well, I, I was doing a play. I was in I was in uh, Tech Week of. Uh, a production of Fifth uh, of July, which actually turned out to be Lanford Wilson's last production before he died, and uh, I got sent the script by my, one of my the people working for in my management office, and and I, I didn't read it. And she called, said, "Have you read it?" And I said, "I'm I'm in I'm in Tech Week. You gotta leave me alone." And she said, "Do me a favor, just read the first scene. If you don't like it, put it down." So I read that scene where I shoot the guy in the in the face in the church and yeah. the pilot. And I, I couldn't put it down. I was like, this is the coolest damn thing I've ever in my life. And it's a Southerner. It's a, oh. It's like you, dude. So, <laughs> so David helped put me on, my friend David Wilson Barnes helped put me on tape. And he he's a really good coach. And sent it in. And then the casting director in New York, uh, Amanda Mackey, saw it. And she was like, this is great, but you, I need you to come to New York. And I need to do a better tape with you. So my mother was flying in. So I said, Mom, we're going to New York. 
So my mom helped me run lines on the flight on the train. Over, oh, the train. It was like a train in, in yeah. New York. Oh, that's great. And uh, went in and did it for Amanda. And then uh, mom and I got drunk on the on the train ride home. And uh, and then got a call. That AMC wanted to, to see me for the role. Now, we were going to take the production to Williamstown. I'd always wanted to do Williamstown. I knew it was going to conflict. So we had to let Williamstown know what was going on. So flew out. And I got picked up at like 3.30 a.m., after the Sunday performance to fly out to on Monday to audition for AMC and then straight back on the red eye to do a Tuesday wow. night performance. Wow. And then they, at the end of the week they said, well, we, he asked now he, that was for the studio. Now he has to come back after the network. We got, no, you got it. We told Williamstown they needed to say, blah, blah, blah. so we told Williamstown, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going past the two week out in my contract. So if you need to hire somebody else, go ahead. So I literally, you know, I was putting myself in a position where they could fire me if, in order yeah. to go and audition for a job I didn't have. So I flew out again, same thing, three 30 in the morning, you know, flew out and, uh, auditioned for the, for the network. And, and then, uh, they had me back in and we just sat around me and the executives and they, they just asked me to tell stories about growing up in Tennessee. And at the end of it, uh, one of the executives said, "Well, I hope you're ready to wear a cowboy hat for us." And that, what a cool, <laughs> what a it. cool way to tell you too, man! Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I got it. And, that's, that's, and it's yeah. it's obviously been uh, probably the most important moment or the most important job I've had so far in my career, and it's been one of the most professionally and artistically rewarding as well. That's awesome to hear, dude. Because it's such a good show. It's great to know that that you know what I mean for I love, you. It's, uh, I love this job. That's I awesome. Love this job. Now, when you guys shoot, you guys shoot in Canada, or yeah, we we're based in Calgary. How is that? Uh, I mean, do you dig it up there? The, the wilderness. I like working beautiful. in Calgary. Yeah. The people are great. The crew, you know, we, we could shoot the show in Wyoming or Montana, but we would have to fly in a bunch of, of our crew, and that's prohibitively expensive. Calgary's got a crew waiting to go, but not only do they have a crew, they're a crew that's very versed in the Western because a lot of current Westerns or modern Westerns are shot, shot. there. Yeah. And that's an important thing to have because people don't realize it, but it's important to have hair and makeup people who understand how to behave around a horse. I mean, you could, you could get killed and it's important to have good wranglers and, and John Scott ranch is one of the, the wrangling companies that went to do Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. Getting back to our nerd conversation. So you know, yeah. You and know that so they're legit. Yeah, they yeah. really know what they're doing and they keep me safe every day. That's great, man. Were you, have you, were you a big horse rider before the show? Had I you... grew up comfortable on a horse cause I grew up in Tennessee and all my friends had horses. We didn't have horses. But I didn't. I'd never operated a horse around a, 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 a around crew a set. And, and cameras and, and lights. That, and... That's a whole different skill set. And so I had to get. I had to get back in the ring and and learn a few things. And now, and they slowly they slowly let the reins go on me. And now I'm doing uh, the majority of of the more difficult riding parts. Um, and I get to. I just love when I get to open those horses up. But it's not. It's not blindly. I mean, I, I, we we walk my path every time. Was, every time you see me tear ass in, through a field, we walk those paths and look. For, we have to look for gopher holes. Oh shit! I saw yeah. I saw a stunt man. I saw a horse roll over and a stunt man almost get crushed to death last season. Oh wow! And it can, I mean, it can be really. So, I mean, it's it's a pretty dangerous stunt having a horse on that kind of set. Like it, you've got to be yeah. careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you can you can get killed. We yeah. had a we had a, a female wrangler uh, on our our crew. This year, who who um, she uh, separated her pelvis. Wow! Uh, she got she the horse bucked on her, and she came down the wrong way in the saddle, and 
how scary, dude. I'm kind of terrified of horses. I've I've, I've only ridden them because I'm from New York, so I've only ridden them like a couple times in my life. And the one time, I forget where we were, but the horse I was on decided to kick the horse behind me in the face and just run off into the woods like with me on it. And at one point, I just bailed, and that was my last time on a horse. <laughs> just being very cartoony for some reason. Of course, because it was me. That's why. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> my grandma had horses. I grew up with horses. Yeah. Did you grow up riding horses? I mean, I, I, you know, like, being around them, I just kind of knew how to ride them, but I couldn't, like, compared to most people, I wasn't very, like, a good rider or anything. Like I that. love the color of your hair. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, totally her. Never mind. I really <laughs> like the color of your hair. I'm a ginger. Yeah. In case people can't hear. I mean that, but that's a, that's a that's real ginger. That's like Crayola Crayola ginger. It's it's like red. Like every month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not hers. No, I'm kidding. Well, the color, right? The color, you really yeah. are a ginger, though, but yeah, not. No, it's like why? This is a very interesting conversation. The natural hair color. Anime ginger. Yeah. Well, you know, for the lady listeners, they want beauty tips. So yeah, yeah. let let them know what's up. Just um, obviously <laughs> not this color red. And then uh, you work, you work with an amazing cast on that show. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's got to be pretty awesome. I mean, Common, while I've always been a fan of his, he fucking kills it on. He's that awesome, show. isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he really He's does. So so good in that role, man. I just love what he does. I, what the the writers have decided to do with him, the way they explain it, and and he's playing it so well, is they they figure that a recently freed man is going through things that he's never had to go through before now living free. And so he, they, they decided that he, the character's kind of going through a, a sort of adolescence and he plays that. So there are moments that he plays that the way he plays it, you get a sense of what he must've been like as a child. It's just, I really like what he's doing. No, I love it. And the friendship, the, I guess you could call it a friendship, but, but definitely the relationship that you two car- that your character and his character have makes me consistently happy. Well, we decided early on, with the, the writers and I think he and I were both on the same page about the fact that we did not want this to become oh the the black guy and the white guy are going to be friends yeah, yeah, and yeah. everybody's going to be happy. Uh, no, that it would be Silver Streak if, if, we, <laughs> if we did that. And so we decided that we. What's more interesting is two guys who don't necess- wouldn't necessarily be friends in in any other circumstance are forced together in a kind of a vice. Uh, with that's just always been more interesting, I think. Yeah, okay, and, and and especially in their in their recent episodes too. I mean, you see, it's it's out of necessity, kind of, but it, it's 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 cool to watch. And then Comfy, a Comini. I mean, it's just a really everyone in the cast is pretty incredible. Tom uh, Tom Noonan. What was it like to work with some of these? Uh, I mean, oh man, I, I, I everybody in the cast. I'm just I just feel so fortunate. Uh, Colm and I just sit around. and I get him to tell stories about about his experience in the theater and, and, and I mean, I remembered recently around the set and I totally forgot that he was in the commitments, you know, and and, and I I hadn't seen it since I was in college and, and he was telling stories about, that and Tom Noonan, a lot of people don't know, is a, is a great director as well. He he won Sundance. He's a great director, 90s. and I read an interview once. He's written like ninety eight unproduced screenplays or something. Like he's a prolific screenwriter. <laughs> it doesn't too. surprise me. He's that, such an interesting dude. We 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 have dinner every now and then in New York, and I, I just I feel so lucky to have worked with that guy. I like him a lot. That's really cool. And I, you know who I really think is turning it on this season is Phil Burke, who plays Mickey. Absolutely, I, he's he's becoming such an interesting dark character, and and that's that's the thing I love about the show is no even your even um and Cullen who who I guess technically is the good guy. There are moments where I'm like, where he just he's just a per, he's just a du- you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're you're not faultless your character on the show, which I love. And then um no everyone uh what was it uh 
Who played? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. The name. Uh, I oh, how am I going to pronounce that? The Swede. Oh, Chris Hyredal. Dude, he, he, that character is incredible too. Yeah, he's. he's he, that's just one of those magic m- marryings of a uh, of the right role with the right actor at the right time. It's just magic. What yep. what happened with that? When he was reading the script, actually, he because uh, he's Norwegian. Which they say, in, yeah. yeah, yeah, no. And, so that, that actually no, that is was, true. That was not made for that. They did not change that for him. That was in the script. That's great. He was reading. He's saying to himself, "Oh, it'd be so great if he was Norwegian instead of Swedish." And he turned the page and it said, "But I am Norwegian." <laughs> you know, that's and awesome. I just love what he does with that. I mean, we have a really good time together. And just what, and again, singling out this show as something just special on TV. What they've done with that character specifically in the course of the two seasons is pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, we haven't yeah, yeah. seen nothing yet. No, I can't wait, man. Well, that was going to say. So, what, what's it been like? I mean, the show's a big success now, right? After the Netflix, I mean, you guys are posting an insane number. And yeah, we're doing good. Billboards and everyone loves it. Are what's it? Are you? How easy is it? Is it to transition into Cohen yet? Is it something? Are you for super familiar with? Yeah, the character? I mean, I I've been accused of being a method actor or staying in character, and that's actually not true. It's just just the way that I have to say focus sometimes on a set, particularly in, on days when I'm in every scene, uh, tends to match the intensity of Cohen. But that's not me being in character. That's just me having to remain focused. Uh, to get the work done and to, to you know, I, I just, I'm trying to constantly look of, for new ways of doing things. Um, but yeah, I, for me, and, and, and I'm lucky to have had the, the, the more of a European training. Um, for me, acting is a process of playing make-believe, of putting on a, a costume and saying, let's, let's play what if together. And, and, um, I think that there's a big mythology in in our culture that actors are the kind these kinds of shamans that um channel these alter egos yeah, yeah. and go through these emotionally soul crushing experiences in order to deliver a performance and it's bullshit. And I think there are a lot of actors that buy into that because it makes their job seem more important yes. than what it really is. I was just going to say, because I was going to say, I know, I know actors who are like that, it's bullshit. but it's bullshit. All those acting classes and the sense memory stuff and the, and, the, and it, you know what, if it is true for you, for, for, for any actors, if they think it's true for them, you know what, it's time to stop acting. It's time to get some therapy. Because at the end of the day, it's because it's, I don't want to. I don't no, give yeah. a shit about. I don't. I really don't give a shit about what you're going through. I really don't. I you're want. Like, I'm here to do a job that's pretending yeah. to be someone else. Let me do that, right? I, mean, I want. Yeah, it's for. It's a pro. It's make believe. It's just make. It's playing make believe very well. But it's make believe. But it's it's a fun it's a fun kind of make believe though. I'm sure as an adult, how many other things can you do where you get to fucking suddenly be a cowboy or you know? Or, I know, right? Or get paid to ride a horse and shoot a period gun. And, yeah, that's a nice gun too. That's the thing. Yeah. This show is so ac- uh, authentic. It seems like too. And I, I mean, it took first I couldn't peg where it was taking place, which really made me happy because I was like, it's yeah. anywhere USA. But then it's it's at a uh, the show takes place. Right now, it's well, it's mobile. It's two cities right now, right? Right now, it's in western Nebraska. Okay, and because the because the train has moved from where we started in Kentucky. In, or? in the first season, it was probably mid Nebraska. Okay, yeah. oh, it wasn't Kentucky. No, they started in Omaha and worked their way west. This is the Union Pacific, and the Central Pacific started in Sacramento and worked their way east. And they're mandated by Congress to meet. 
Oh wow, somewhere in the middle, and they were yeah. competing for mileage. That's really cool. And then I read, I read behind the scenes actually on it. When I read up on some stuff, and I read that actually, uh, is it your great great grandfather was a Civil War vet? Three or? greats, I believe. Three greats. Yeah, so, he, was a, he was a Confederate uh, cavalry colonel. Wow. So there's, I mean, you were kind of versed in in this parody of American time, anyway. Is that in the is that way, be true? Yeah, growing up in the South, by and large, and I went to public school, and I went to very good public school. Uh, we our history class. One of our history classes in junior high, we had almost an entire semester on Civil War. And, um, uh, you, yeah, you tend to focus very heavily on the Civil War. But I had to go back and do some homework because you tend to skip from the Civil War to World War One. Yeah. And we didn't cover Reconstruction too much at all. And that's what this period is. It is, it is the most interesting moment of, re, of the Reconstruction period. So where there's, there was a, a lot, I don't want to say research, but you definitely brushed up on... Um, yeah, there's a, a great book by Stephen A. Ambrose. Who I love. He wrote Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers, and, and well, yeah, yeah. Well, he wrote, and he wrote a lot of nonfiction books about war, and he has this one about the construction of the Transcontinental Railroad. And I thought, well, that's interesting. This guy writes a, all these war nonfiction books, and he's got this one about building a railroad. And it makes perfect sense now, and this is one of the the touchstones we keep harping on in, in the, in the show in it's Colin Bohannon's argument is that it's, this a is a war. You're at war. And, absolutely. And yeah. Absolutely was a war. The majority of the workers were former union soldiers and Confederate soldiers working side by side and they were fighting the Indians and they were fighting the terrain and they were organized as an army. And, uh, it's it's really fascinating the parallels that Stephen A. Ambrose makes in his book. I should definitely. Do you remember the name of the? the it's Ambrose called Nothing book? Like It in the World. That sounds really good. I'm a huge Ambrose fan. I'll definitely check that out. Um, now with the show going as well as it does, I mean, I, I I'm sure they have some kind of a master plan. But this is your gig right now, right? I mean, it's all. Well, it's uh, we did we did ten episodes in four and a half months, which is fast. Wow, yeah. And if we do a third season, I believe we're probably going to do thirteen. That'll be five and a half months, which is a in the world of television, that's a great schedule. That's not bad. It affords yeah. me time to do movies in the off season or take a break or do whatever the hell I want. Or just read comics or play D&D. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's amazing, dude. And again, if anyone hasn't seen Hell on Wheels at this point, you're you're far too late now to, to, to have an excuse to not see it. So, I mean, first season's on Netflix. Second season is airing now on AMC. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's fantastic. And the DVD is out. And I can't, again, I can't recommend it enough. Now, you actually, you've, um, you wrote and, and uh, directed a comedy, a short recently. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're about, when I go back to New York at the end of this week we're going to do post on i'm actually have a meeting after this with my producer oh that's awesome to talk about our post-production process and um uh right now the title is last time we checked i don't think it's going to change and we've just started submitting to festivals so we'll we'll see but i'm pretty proud of it that's cool do you want do you want to talk about it at all or it's um it's it's based on a, a one-act play that I, I i write i write plays in my downtime and it's uh it it takes place in a in an immigration office uh, in New York, and it's uh, uh, it's a comedy about uh, <laughs> a, a man who's been called into to account for his marriage to uh, to a, a Canadian drag queen, and uh, and awesome. the 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 comedy the the comedy take on it that that situation is that going through you know this is this is sort of a rip from the headlines kind of thing situationally at least you know and i just thought what's funny is what 
you know, in finding not to make light of people who are fighting for civil rights. That that's I'm not of trying course. to make light yeah, yeah. of that, but but the fact that 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 I think a lot of them have not have not realized that what they're fighting for is a kind of uh, bureaucratic normalcy. <laughs> it's a piece of paper that says something, you know? yeah. And, uh, and that's what the film uh, uh, oh, sort great. of revolves around. That's great, and you're submitting it to festivals, and, and I guess people could check it out. Yeah, well, we'll we will see. And yeah. and you're a pretty prolific tweeter. I mean, again, we'll talk about it. But if everyone, if you haven't aren't following Anson now, I'm sure you'll you'll talk about it when the film is available to see and stuff yeah, like absolutely, that, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, what else do you have going on other than Hell on Wheels? Have you been shooting what, anything, I, auditioning? Um, yeah, I got Codename Geronimo is coming out. I believe I just heard it might be coming out in October. But I just did I just did additional photography for it, so I don't know how fast. They can get it out, but it is the Weinstein's we're talking about. So when they want, when, <laughs> when they, they want to move, when they want to move on some, they yeah. they do it. Um, and that's about the k- killing of Osama bin Laden. Oh wow! And I play one of the Navy SEALs who who they made a SEAL Team Six movie. Yeah, holy shit! Yeah. I'm excited now. Yeah, I didn't even know about it's, that. Yeah. Uh, it's called Codename Drawn. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, yeah, William Fickner. Holy yeah, shit! This yeah. sounds really, really good. Yeah, and I I got to work with Exhibit, who's become one of my favorite people I think I've ever worked with. That's awesome. Did he call you dog a lot? Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what he does. That's great though. And it's also funny that you you're like work Mr. Work with rappers now. I guess so. Yeah. That's like your thing, rappers and singers, man. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, uh, that's funny. I never. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. So you got that, and I mean, you said with the time off on Helen Wheels, does it allow? Are you trying to audition for other stuff? Or are you pretty? Yeah, I there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> luckily I'm I'm fortunate to say that the the I haven't had to. I haven't had to do as much auditioning. I'm sure, I was going to say, I'm sure you're getting offers yeah, more lately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, 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 <laughs> I'm really happy about that. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I, I teach, I teach audition also at, at, um, Columbia University oh, wow. program. I, I, um, I teach, I've been teaching, this will probably be my fifth year teaching. Holy there. shit, man. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm going to do that and I'm going to take a little vacation. Uh, there's an offer for something on the table that I'm not sure i'm gonna i think i'm gonna do it i'm not but i i can't i haven't accepted accepted so i, I can't really talk no yeah, yeah of course of course but uh but you're you're looking to work more is what you're saying it's yeah, yeah, th- yeah. that's that's what's on my career is what's on the front burner right now and uh, for better or for worse and uh i mean you know forget Forget having a pet or a relationship. I mean, I, I can't even keep a plant alive right now. Um, <laughs> What's funny is I can keep pets alive, but not plants. So <laughs> that's why I went, fa- I went fake plants. What? My plants have been dying lately. You know how much I take care of my house plants. I know. Are you upset about that? It's rough, I man. Really it's, I don't have time to care. Yeah, right? But you know, but before we get too far, uh, too much farther off and, 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 or, or sign off, I, we, we, there's still a couple of points on my... On my list, I guess. Oh, dude, you know, no, we, we were about to have that conversation okay, right, right, right. now. I was, I was, you're the one who's leading this conversation. No, no, I was, like, I was transitioning off. That's I why I, we were wrapping yeah, up yeah. the career thing. We were all nice. We know what you're doing. Now let's get into the real important stuff, okay. man. Portal. Right. What are you right. reading? What are you playing? What are you watching? Yeah. What are you into, dude? Yeah. That's what do you? Let's right. do it. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. What do you want to start with? Um, I mean, comic books, because I see you tweet a lot. You know what? I haven't been collecting comics in a long time, and for me, it really was an antiquers experience. But uh, I haven't been. I don't read. You know what? I don't read graphic no, and I, I, I've read a few graphic novels. Um, the Sandman series and its Neil Gaiman, is my yeah, favorite, absolutely. Uh, v for Vendetta, I liked. Alan Moore, for yeah. Me, the reading experience uh, has to involve my imagination. I just feel like it's more of a 
more of an incredible landscape when I'm creating. I will agree with you. I will not. Uh, I will typically not read a book if I've seen the film based on it already because I don't like yeah. imagining the actors I, in my head. I'm it totally kills me, dude. the same. Yeah, way. yeah, it kills me. And I think back to the books I read before the movies, and I'm like. Oh, my guy looked way different and was way, it was, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it's your own imagination. There's nothing better than your own imagination. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. So, what have you been reading? You, are you a big reader? I am. I actually have started reading fantasy again. Uh, I, I, I tend to do, I've been going like like serious fiction to one nonfiction to a fantasy fiction these days. It's, a good, it's a good mix up. And, yeah. In the fantasy, since since we're we're harping on the the geek the geek part of my personality on this <laughs> in this interview, I'll talk about fantasy fiction. Yeah, please. Um, I discovered the best fantasy series that I have ever read, and I have been recommending it to every. And I got Phil Burke hooked on it too. We've oh, nice. been recommending it to every person we meet. It is the Black Company by Glenn Cook. I don't know it. This is I'm excited a ten now. novel series, and it like is that. absolutely. It is forget fantasy. It's some of the best fiction I've ever read. Period. It's about a mercenary company that is about five centuries old. I'm already and, in, and they have <laughs> they have they've been around so long that they've forgotten the reason that they exist, and they are hired out to the highest bidder in this fantasy world. And the, it's told from the point of view. There's a company analyst who's also the physician, but he's in charge of keeping the diary for the company. And every night he reads from the annals to the company and it's told from his point of view. So you're reading his journal entries. Oh, this sounds amazing. It is so fucking good. I live next to a book. I might go make, I'm a very compulsive reader. I might go fucking get on that right away. Anybody who's into fantasy fiction, I'm telling you right now, go get the black company by Glenn Cook. Just get the first one. You know, if they come in two or three book compendiums, just get the first compendium, read the first book, which is called The Black Company. If it's not your thing, put it down. But I guarantee that if you like fantasy, this is... If you're listening to this show, I'm sure you'll like these books. Yeah, yeah that sounds like right up my alley, dude. That's awesome. Um, What others... You said you, you switch it up, you do fiction. Read, and, yeah. Um, you know, I just read the first installment of The Blade itself. Um, Is it Joe Abercrombie? I believe it's Joe Abercrombie. And um, I thought that that in terms of character development, it was a really solid read. I'm not sure if it's enough to keep me going through the rest of the series, but it came highly recommended on a lot of the best fantasy series yeah. on the web, you know. And in, in the middle of a book called The Lies of Loch Lamora by... Oh, that sounds cool. Oh, God, who is the writer? This is... I should I should know this. Um, I'm going to look it up. Luckily, on, we on all own right the internet now, now. We're talking yeah, The yeah, Lies yeah. of Locke Lamora. And let me tell you why this book is so cool. It is, it's, it's, it's in a, I believe it's a trilogy called the Gentleman, Gentleman Bastard Sequence. And it takes place in a city that's loosely based on, uh, Venice. And it's, um, it's about a group of, thieves that were raised by this fake priest and and they are they have invented the sort of the con game it's before the it's it's takes place in a time where people don't know what cons are and what it's about it's about a group of actors who use their talents that that they've been taught by this priest in order to dupe the rich citizens of the city out of of their fortunes and they just dump them in the hollows of their hideout to and they never you really use just it. Just a horde. They're just, they're just doing it. They're in it for the yeah. sport, and it's a great book. That sounds really cool. Really too, man. well yeah. written. It's really funny. And I'm going to tell you 
the author's author, name yeah, in just yeah. a second. Yeah, no worries. Misty, did you did you ever? I know you're not the you you like books. I do. I am. You're not the biggest do. current reader right now. Did you ever yeah, finish? The author's like name that. is Scott Lynch. Scott Lynch. Scott Lynch. That sounds really cool Laura. too. Yeah, very worthy read. Uh, luckily, we'll have these on. We don't have to write it down. We can just listen back. <laughs> just remind me later. Um, you know, my, uh, I think, have you ever read a book called Mr. Uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell? No. I think you'd really, really dig them. And I'm not a recommendation for you and anyone listening who hasn't read it. I, it's my favorite fantasy book, certainly of the l- last, like, 10 years, but maybe even of, of modern times. And it's basically about these two. Uh, it takes place in the... In, uh, Late nineteenth century England in a, in a universe where magic has existed, but hasn't been used in hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So magicians at this point are basically just like historians and the and and philosophers, and they don't really use practical magic. And it's about these two rival magicians: one young uh, Mister Norrell, and the other guy Jonathan Strange, who's like a magician in the seventies. They start having these. They start actually using magic. Like magic mm. returns to the world for the first time in hundreds of years, and it's this like thirty years spanning. Like the book's like nine hundred pages of just their lives together and just uh, how they shift the course. Like they win the Napoleonic Wars single handedly <laughs> by like giant hands coming down and crushing stuff. Awesome. And it's it's a really really good book and just like a, such a complete Have you universe. Ever read the Harry Turtle Dove. I haven't. I've heard. I've heard he, of that. He wrote. Though, yeah. a, he's written a series of alternative histories. The first one was called "The Guns of the South," and the concept is: what if uh, 1980s South African white supremacists invented a time machine <laughs> and went back to give automatic weapons to wow. the Confederacy? And it's. Uh, I love alternate history is, stuff. Yeah. It is a very interesting thought experiment. No, totally. Uh, I, I believe it's a Philip. Pullman book, but there's a book where, where uh, it's what if Hitler. There's a lot of what if Hitlers had won the war or whatever and stuff yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I'm always into that. Um, so that's great, man. So what kind of nonfiction stuff are you into? Um, I just read recently um, Blood and Thunder. Uh, again, I I will have to look up the author, <laughs> author name. It's yeah, about yeah. the American seizure of the Southwest, which oh, wow. a lot of people don't realize. Um, the entire New Mexico, Arizona, California territory was owned by Mexico. It was and Mexico. We just kind of moved in yeah. and said, "Hey, it's ours." And we didn't realize that the big fight was not going to be with the Mexicans; it was with the Navajo. And it, it covers um, that piece of history. And the the main character is Kit Carson. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's really cool, man. And uh, the next one on my list is a book called Cloud Splitter, which is a, a novelized and history of John Brown. I, I think I've, I think I, I've either I know very much about that book. I uh, yeah, absolutely. Where did I hear about Cloud Splitter? No, that was a big book. Like I think that did pretty. People are talking about that. That's yeah, cool, it's. Man. I can't remember the author of that. I'm so bad. I should be more it's prepared cool, than this. I mean, people can Google. But Blood and Thunder, I'm pulling it up right now on Amazon. It, the it's by um, Hampton Sides. Oh great! And it's uh, I heard that Redford just optioned it. I think he's going to make a, oh, nice, a part of it. Yeah. See, folks, you get a podcast, you get to learn about Helen Wheels, you get your you get a summer reading list or whatever season you're listening to this in. Fall reading list. Fall reading list. Yeah. They have those, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah it's cool. Uh, so, so you said you still play in D anD D, but I I know you do some other gaming as well, man. You're into video games. Yeah, I, yeah. This is yeah. I I do play video games and this is one of the big subjects i was looking forward to talking let's do it yeah yeah yeah. i think i think that and this is going to be controversial i hope it's going to be controversial (laughs) i think that video games uh are in are in the 
the shitter. I think that 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 we are in the dark ages of video game development. This is going to be way controversial. And with <laughs> with with notable exceptions. Okay, of course, yeah, yeah. With notable exceptions. And here's the reason that I, I think that video games are 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 in a very bad place right now and why I and a lot of people my age, I think, com- continue to lose interest in games after the first hour. Uh, it's the writing. I think that video games have traditionally been written by people who, because they think that they can, they can program that they can write a story. The code writers they create, can't. Yeah. And now we're in this period where they're starting, they've, they've clued into this. And so they're hiring writers, but they're hiring people who write graphic novels. And I, I just don't quite understand. Now I can see the, the surface logic of, well, people that like graphic novels tend to write like video games. So we'll give them a graphic novel writer and we'll publicize it. But why would you hire a writer who the majority of their work is taken care of by an illustrator? Now I, I know that video games are in the sense illustrated, but you have to have a, a, a sense of character development. It's not about plot. It's not about it. It's not it, yeah, the gameplay is important, but it's about, it's about character development and story development. It's, a, it's, it, it's also when, when they try to do it too much, you know, you end up with these, what I call flaneur games. There's this, there's this, uh, there's this old concept of the flaneur. Who's this, uh, it's a I can't remember if it's Italian or French, but it's a it's a it's a the, the it's a word to describe a guy who sort of walks around the town and and socializes and doesn't get anything mm-hmm. done. And the you know, the classic example is Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Or, you know, in Red Den- Redemption to a degree is yeah. loosely held together by a narrative. It, I think it, it succeeds, but you can wander around those worlds for fucking the, ever. Well, you just nailed it. Well, then, wait. What the, you... d- and the Elder Scrolls are the worst example. I, in I, terms of story? I think it's beautiful. I was just going to say, and Skyrim. I mean, come on. And I will give you this, dude. Skyrim is one of my favorite games ever made. However, I skip through every single dialogue exchange in it because it's I don't give a fuck in, about the it's story. Like, it's like, what are we, Japanese I, now? Yes, and I do that in a lot of games. The games I don't do that, I know I'm playing and an the important Japanese game. are even worse than we are. Oh, like, like I've I been mean, playing those for years. You know, like, I'm a huge yeah. Final Fantasy fan. When, I don't know what any my, of them are about. When I bring up <laughs> my opinion on this, a lot of people go, oh, well, you just need to play a Japanese game. And I'm like, no, the Japanese don't write narrative. The Japanese write pithy dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's what they're good like at. Like Parasite Eve. Or cutesy dialogue. Or literally Final Fantasy, which I'm a massive fan of. Yeah. I'm playing two of them right now, one on my Wii and one on my, my Vita. I have no fucking clue what the stories are about because all I want to do is fight stuff and level up well, and because the stories are always nonsense about crystals and other planets. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's never... You're 100% right. You, uh, you get the... Uh, did you play Heavy Rain? That's See, the game yes. I wanted to talk about. Oh, fuck okay? yes, dude. That yes. is... I, I, pl- I was playing this game and I was... <laughs> I, I was I'll tell you, I was... Even as an actor and somebody who believes in narrative... I was I was like I don't know about this because we still haven't gotten to motion capture the way place where I need I think we need to get I mean on obviously everybody's walking around with these massive thighs you know like what the fuck is that <laughs> but I was in the middle of playing that game and I was like why am I enjoying this so much right now it, I should not be but it 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 just it. I think that that opened up a level of possibility. Their next game coming out. I can't wait for the new quantum physics game. Yeah. Is the one that Ellen Page is starring in. What is it called? Oh, shit. I'll look up the name right now. But they debuted it at E3, and I was so excited excited for it, man. Yeah. More so than any other 
Because, and I think you nailed it. Did you play Heavy Rain, Misty? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Because what we have I is we have told a, you about Heavy it's Rain. It's a medium that actually no. involves the the viewers. Invo- it, 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 the viewer can be involved, can it make choices, so can make decisions. I have never, and, and, and it, it reminded me in a, in a, in a really souped-up, exciting way. It, it, it was the best parts of the Choose Your Own Adventure books. One hundred percent, dude. Mm-hmm. And and with stakes. And the other the other game called Beyond the Ellen Page game. Yes, and that looks super great. But the thing about Heavy Rain, I remember, is I have never been more. I don't know if the word is emotionally invested maybe chemically invested in a video game, like all the scenes where you could potentially die, I couldn't breathe. I know, yeah. right? I, I've never gotten that way with a video game before. I played it in one sitting, I only played it once, and it was the single most satisfying video game experience I've ever had in my life, literally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think I'd want to revisit it because it wouldn't be the same. And I didn't replay it because I, I magically didn't have anyone die. And I was like, I don't even me, want to replay uh, it. Me, <laughs> it perfectly. I'm, a ma- I'm wondering if that game's been optioned for film. I'm sure it I, I think it had to be because yeah, it had a pretty cool... It was so the, well written. I think it did almost right away because I remember asking someone about that. And yeah, yeah. Then I'm curious, what do you think about Mass Effect and Portal? Mastig- Mass Effect, Flanure. Mm-hmm. Uh Portal, I really love Portal 2. It's one of my favorite games I've played in a while. I'm I'm a sucker for puzzles is the reason that I like it. And I think that it has a well-matched... You know, it, it, it doesn't have a ton of narrative, but the right. narrative that they've chosen is so well-matched to well, the world that it's in. And it... If it was just a series of puzzles, I would lose my interest real quick. Oh, totally. But the the relationship between you and that little eyeball, Gladius, Gladius right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, and it was so funny. It was so funny. Well, it was like the had you played any of the um, uh, Half Life games before Portal? Uh, you know, which is I, a series I, it's uh, from Half yeah. Life. What was that? It's like that guy in, and it's Gordon Freeman, and you have like a crowbar, and you're hitting, you're hurting aliens a lot. It's basically, it's the story before Portal. Okay, Portal One was just a bonus thing. I don't think I've played Half on the Half Life Orange Box thing. It's on Orange Box. Oh, see, I first played Portal on Orange Box. Okay, so on Orange Box is also every Half Life game, which there are three of them, I believe, and those were. I think, oh, fuck, the first one came out in the early 90s. It was like a yeah. PC game. It, w- it was game-changing. And it was funny, which you just nailed on with Portal. That was the whole thing with Half-Life, kind but of. But it was serious. In the same it was way. a serious game, but but it had a sense of humor to it. And the character that's the character thing is a big thing. Even yeah. Red Dead, who's... I just replayed it, like I said, because of Hell on Wheels. I've played, I played it in the last few weeks. The storyline's kind of meh. But Marston is is a good enough character that it makes the overall experience that much more fun yeah. because there is some kind of and a there's motive. There's development. There's yeah. definitely development. And there. like Grand Theft Auto, you're right. Like though I love I those games, you just run around and shoot people. I love having character motivation. That's why I love yeah. like Skyrim and the Fallout games because like okay, I'm playing a good guy, right. which means everything I do has to be a certain way. And it, it, just putting a moral code. Fallout in Fallout was interesting, but, but you, that was a little bit too that even that. Was was a little too, too open. giant, yeah, giant for me. Because look, I have a career. No, I totally, life, dude. No, 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, believe me, this forever. I didn't have a career for a life for a while after Skyrim came out. Like everyone who bought that game knowingly went into it. Like, all right, I'll see you in four months, everybody. And yeah, they yeah, still yeah. didn't finish the game. But, but you know, my favorite uh, series, video game series, because of the same reasons, because it's a it's a puzzle game that has a really well matched narrative as the Hitman series. Really, wow! I love that. Do you series. see uh, the new? Were you at E three this year? 
No, there's I a new uh, there's a new Hitman coming out that I actually got a chance to play. That's really really I've fucking heard. good. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it's great. I did a hands on demo. You know, I, I do the first one I did not like at all because I'm sorry. This whole idea that you gain experience by climbing towers and jumping <laughs> and jumping headfirst into hay bales, hay bales, yeah, like why? And that there I, just, there are bald like, eagles just strategically placed on every single yeah, tower in I Venice know, or whatever. Just, like, yeah. I, I'm interested to check out the new one that's coming out about the American Revolution. I skipped the yeah. last one. The thing, the, the cool I like thing. the one about the Medici family, too. The cool thing to me with that franchise was the potential to do a different dime, time period for every game. And yeah. I thought that's what they would do. The first one came out, and it was um, like uh, Israel or, or, or Middle East uh, mm -hmm. biblical times or whatever. And the next one, though Ezio is different, it was kind of too close when they, the, the, to get me excited. Then they made three Ezio games. In yeah. my mind, it should have been like, they should have done every every major time period in history and just had this character have a proxy in it. Like, you right. know, that, and that's what they're finally getting to, it looks like. I would like them to make a narrative version of Crackdown. All right. Yeah. I love it. In terms of like a, a Flanure game, that's the one that I, design-wise, I liked Crackdown as well because... They are one of the few games that's that stopped trying to look so real, and they said, "You know what? We're going to design this like a graphic novel, yeah. uh, down to the hard outlines and everything, and it just works for the game." I remember a discussion I had. Fuck, I must have been in middle school when Super uh, and Nintendo sixty four had just come out, and Mario was on it, and. I was like, well, graphics obviously can't get better than this ever. Like, mm -hmm. this is. Right. And then the concept of photorealistic came into my mind. And I was like, I wonder what if they just put actual people in video games? And I think we've got to a point where we're so close to photorealism, it's getting kind of creepy and not good. Yeah. I don't think things should be so. I don't want to play an actual human being on my TV I kind screen. I agree. You know? It's the same thing with animation. Like, why do I want to go to see it? I want to go see an just animated shoot the movie. movie because it's another world. Totally. It's a fantasy. Right. I don't want to go to an animated film that's so incredibly animated that it's suddenly real. Like, what's the fucking point? I see a lot of animated movies now. I'm like, for another $50 million, though it's a lot of money, you could have shot this live action. There would have been no yeah. difference. Like, yeah. it just didn't need to be animated. It was just economical or something, which I, I think people do a lot of times these days. Or it's an easy... It's just a lot easier to put your money on an animated film. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I definitely agree that, like, uh, so are there any video games you are excited for? When was the last time you enjoyed, really, really enjoyed a new game besides Heavy Rain? That was Rain? Portal 2. Was the Portal last game 2? I really was into and couldn't, couldn't put down. Um, did you ever have to do any walkthroughs or did you always forget the puzzles? I always got them. Well, wow. yeah, that's commitment, there dude. There was like one I had to look yeah. up. And then as soon as I looked it up, I was like, of course. Third puzzle in, I was like, fuck you this, know, Misty, I, do this for me because I don't want to play anymore. tell that the, the, the people that made God of War are coming out with a prequel. They are. Oh, yes, I'm I very interested it. in seeing that. And I've heard a lot of criticism about, well, you ended it. Why you got to go? I'm like, well, fuck. They were fun, you know dude. It's a great game. Doing? I'm so, it's, I, it's, I and that's such, talking about writing, that's a really well-written series. And by the end of it, yeah, you are Kratos. Like when you're, when you're, uh, spoiler alert, but when you like fucking kill all the gods and become the ultimate god in the universe, you're like, I've been working on for this for so many years. You have no idea. It's, it's just, I put it this way. It's like when you go to, I go to, when I go to Disneyland and I don't do it as much as I get older because it would be weird. But I used to like to, to, um, when it, if the line was themed, let's say we're going on the Matterhorn or something, I'd be like, all right, 
I'm a, I'm an adventure in the Himalayas and I'm, a, you know what I mean? When you get into something, it just makes the entire experience that much, that much better. And that's why the truly good video games like Call of Duty, I could give a shit about. Mm. Right, right, right. And right, my right. entire generation, it's the most best selling video game ever made. And that's another, you know what, that's another thing is the, is the, the live action part of the games or the, the online live action part of the games. Are we really still in the world of a, a closed board and playing and trying to see who can kill the other person more times than the other person. Are we really seriously in that world? Why does somebody not come up with a game that involves, you know, and they, and, and portal two made a valiant attempt. There was a, there's a dual player yeah. version of that game. That's, that's interesting. Portal two is, was a pretty astonishing thing in video games. I but think because it was so different with, with a story driven online, massive multiplayer thing that has its own, narrative that's not just about you know not just uh, random shooting or collecting fucking jewels from trolls yeah, or, yeah. or 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 everquest and or, they keep or, trying i mean there hasn't i've never i personally have never played an mmorpg yet because there there hasn't been a world i really wanted to join yet like warcraft i understand that i'm sure the community the community is is amazing right. the, the wow community and having friends and 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 just that kind of aspect of it but the actual game itself never really looked fun to me. No, I agree. It looked yeah, like we're going to segue like... into film again. Okay, right? let's do it. Because yeah. have you seen the documentary Second Skin? I have. Isn't that awesome? It is pretty fucking great. I really, I saw. I, we were at we were at uh, South by with Cook County the same year that that those guys were were there with Second Skin, and I thought it was interesting. And I heard their pitch about it. And I thought, oh, this will be a a, a comic. You know, fun documentary, and I was so fascinated. It's a documentary about addiction, dude. Yeah, it's, it's serious basically, addiction. Uh, wow, addiction. Second life. Yeah, it's about people addicted oh, to second world. life. Well, second well, second life. It starts out, I think, and then it goes to wow, and it's it does mostly got people who are addicted to World of Warcraft. No, I've and I mean, I know people. I personally know people who have marriages have dissolved because of a, mm -hmm. a World of Warcraft addictive playing. Yeah. Like it, it's. It's my, insane. My friend's boyfriend she's been with a couple of years. His wife left. That's him, right. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I and I know I know a part of the reason I never got into that world is because I have an addictive personality and I have the capability to just go away forever in, into that. But but it's that's like DC um, put out one called DC DCU Online or whatever, mm -hmm. which was the DC Universe. You got to create your own superhero and then live in it. And I was so fucking excited in the months up to the game, and then it came out and I never tried it. And and. Everyone like I, there's still yet to been a, uh, a giant online world that I want to live in. Kind of, I kind of like the real world sometimes. Yeah. You know? Now, have you seen? Um, have you seen Darkon? I have. You, I love do, I love documentaries. I, it's like all I, I watch. Have you seen Darkon? Darkon's incredible. It's, it's about, about LARPers. Murps, murp, it's about LARP. 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 Live action oh, LARP. role playing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's about one group of of LARPers in Where this at? Uh, Maryland. Yeah, it's Maryland, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's pretty incredible. It's it's like the best LARPing doc ever because... I feel like I've been really slacking. It's on, on, it's on um, Hulu or Netflix or something. Yeah, it's on that's, Netflix. That's, that's where I saw it. Now, have yeah. you seen Monster Camp? I have. I Dude, I've, I've yeah. watched... I, I religiously watch docs. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are my favorite kind of docs too is... And um, people who are so obsessive about something I know nothing about. Yeah. The, yeah so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, even to the point of like, there's a doc called I think we're alone now, which is about Tiffany stalkers. Yeah, it's really fucking yeah. fascinating. That, that was a great movie. Right? Yeah. I I love that movie because it was re it's really scary at a certain point, and then by the end you kind of you fall feel bad. in love with yeah. these guys. You feel like, and there's another one. Uh, 
I, it was called We Are Something. It was about the Michael Jackson fans who left their families, left their jobs, and moved to Southern California during the length of the court trial so they could live near the courthouse and support him every day in the parking lot. Oh, my God. Well, that reminds me of the documentary. That's one of the reasons I left Los Angeles, actually, was um, this documentary. Um, uh, what's the one about the, the people who, who, ha- who dress up like superheroes? Oh, Confessions oh. of a Superhero. Yes, mm-hmm. Confessions of a Superhero. Which is a That's great, which one is of, another really yeah. great Literally is one of the reasons I left Los Angeles. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because what, I what saw was the how deep that desperation can go. And it, it re- that re- movie really opened my eyes to, look, I mean, you can watch this movie and say, oh, well, those are, they're all a, they're a bunch of freaks. Well, no, they're, they're star fuckers just like everybody else is, but they wear it on their sleeve. Yeah. Everybody in they're they're courageous enough to admit it. And, except for the guy who's playing the Hulk. The guy who's playing the who Hulk. Who I've actually met. The, uh, I, I think he you was, met him. Too. He had a head on his shoulders. He, he was doing, he knew why he was he doing it. He hangs out at Golden Apple Comics. He's like a nice guy. Like I'm I've sure met him a few times. He, yeah, seemed, yeah. he seemed really. On but like point. Superman is. Uh, Sandy Dennis's son or whatever he claims yeah. to be mo- and Batman got arrested I don't think most yeah. of those guys are still out there but yeah. but no yeah there's another doc like that well, there's two actually uh, there's one called Strictly Background which is about background actors I've heard of that um, in Hollywood well, I'm going to talk about that yeah. in a minute. But this one is about people who like have dedicated their lives to being extras, basically. Wow. And it's really fascinating. And anyone who's ever spent time around a film set, like I would definitely recommend a watch. And it's it's, it's fairly humanizing, too, because I know they get a bad rap a lot of the time. But it, it, it goes out of its way to not to be kind of impartial on, on taking a side on the thing. So there's that. And the best one, which which we watched together, was called The Hollywood Complex. Is Are you f- Hollywood Complex? It's called the Hollywood Complex. Are you familiar with? Uh, there's an apartment complex over on. Uh, is it Highland? I think it was on Highland. Yeah. It's on Highland, like heading in over by the freeway. It's called uh, the Oakwood Apartments. Yeah, I've heard of that about this place. Yeah, and it's basically a farm for for kid child actors. Yeah, and like you you rent these like. Oh no! I saw this man. It's I really saw fucking the, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was. I definitely recommend everyone it's check that out. It's disturbing because the parents are disturbing. That's typically what really? you know what I mean. Because it's about them. Yeah, it's about the parents all wanting the had fed careers. And again, I admitted this to on another podcast, but like I was bored on Netflix and I watched a couple episodes of Toddlers and Tiaras. Yeah. Which is the kid pageant show? Now there's a documentary. There is about painted dolls. I see. I haven't seen that it's one. It's hard to find, but it's worth. It's it. It's a pageant doc. Yeah, because it, it's just the parents want it more than the kids don't want it at all. Typically, and again, the Hollywood complex was very much that way. Yeah, that yeah, was uh, disturbing. No, yeah, yeah, it was super now disturbing. Honey Boo Boo. Which didn't you watch that? Here comes Honey Boo Boo. Yeah. Do you know about that? I I Ugh. think we may actually compete with them. Really? I yeah, I, I think, think we may. I think they're on like TLC or something, and they're they're actually doing really well. Sadly enough. Oh, thank God for the Learning Channel. Right? Yeah, right. Hey. Exactly. Can you do you I'm remember when that was the so actual? Much yeah, the Learning Channel. <laughs> I remember when they didn't even have commercials. That no, it was the Learning Channel. Yeah. Now it's here. It's literally like the worst, the dregs of society. Uh, I, I don't know that. if I'm more more upset at, at at the Learning Channel or at the people who who allow themselves to be. Um, I guess exploited by those situations. Well, they make money. I mean, that's I'm going to be famous. And History Channel. 
Well, it's also a fame. Fame is a commodity. Well, the History Channel's doing some interesting stuff, you know. Now with the, the, the Hatfields and the McCoys, but they're doing oh, they're, and the series they just they just greenlit another one. I can't. I, I believe it's an Abraham Lincoln, uh, the death of Abraham Lincoln. I think they. I just read that today or something. Mm-hmm. Why uh, did you not send this to me right away? I'm sorry, I forgot. You got a thing for Abe. Um, but no, I definitely agree that that. Uh, well, fuck, I forgot what I agree about. What were we just talking about, gang? It's the been such a... The channel is getting better. Right before that, come on. Uh, the Can, learning channel. Dial it, dial it one back. Honey oh, there boo-boo. you go, Honey Boo Boo. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, th- These were... Cha- like, no, no channels are what they used to be anymore. Every single channel is now adapted into like some other... Like sci-fi shows. Like, you know what I mean? No, TV, oh, wait, you ask kids these days what the M in MTV stands for? They can't tell you. It doesn't stand for music anymore. No, I no, mean, it doesn't. Or VH1 even, too. I remember when VH1 was the shitty music channel. Now yeah. it's not even that. Yeah. Like, it's even worse than that now. Well, MTV bought them. And, it's, it, right? It's all Viacom now. Yeah, yeah, It's just, it's just, we live in a, it's definitely, the entertainment landscape is definitely different nowadays. Yeah. And that's why when there is something genuinely great like Hell on Wheels, uh, I think it really stands out. You know what I mean? And I think that's why people react, because the, oh, that's what we just got to, the Honey Boo Boo thing. Now I remember my point. Fame as a commodity is so downgraded these days because there are eight fucking billion reality shows, and I discover new ones every day, and everyone's famous for ten minutes. And well, you know what I mean? There is a positive side to that. I, I, th- I say, thank God. Take the take the 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 um take the worth of fame out of fame. yeah, right. Just take it away. Just human actually make, make it, it normal. Just, I, it's we you know we should not be considered royalty. Do you now I'm with with Hell on Wheels being the hit as it is. Has it been different for you in the last few months? A little bit, you know, I, a little bit. I, I just mostly you know I just got done, done shooting second season about three weeks ago. So I just had my for the past two years I've just had my my nose to the grindstone. When I haven't been doing Hell on Wheels, I've been mostly doing movies. No, yeah. Um, so you've had time I to really escape and I go camping. Yeah. So. Uh, and in New York, people don't tend to not really give that's, a crap. That's a very New York thing not. to do they, is to not like, give a crap on purpose. You're like, whatever. Yeah. Um, I but it. for the <laughs> most part, you know, if I take off the period clothing and I, at least up until recently, I could take off the period clothing and put my hair up and I'd totally nobody fine. Yeah. ever recognizes me. But now that's starting to change now that, that the Netflix thing and there are more people watching it and I've been doing some more press, uh, that's changing a little bit. Um, but for the most part, like people have been really hell on wheel, hell on wheels fans tend to be pretty down to earth people. I so would far. imagine so. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and I was just in Nashville. I was, I was, uh, I was, I guess sort of a guest. I was a guest slash presenter at the Southern ground, uh, food and music festival with the, the Zach Brown band. And, uh, and it, that was our, that's our demographic, you know. No, yeah. And so I was I was very. You were a superstar down there. there. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was completely respectful, and that's awesome. And man. really nice, and it was it was great to be back home. No, that's really cool. Speaking of, of being down there, so you, you're a big music fan too, I take it, right? Yeah. What kind of what's your thing? Well, in general, you know, I stopped following new new music a few years ago. I just got too busy. Like I don't watch new new TV. I just get the DVDs. Um, I'm a classic rock guy, classic country guy. Um, I, I delve into classical. Um, I, there are a few acts that I pay attention to and make sure that I currently see every time they come to New York. Dexter Rom Weber is one of them. He was the, he was the, the lead singer guitarist of a, of a group called flat duo jets in the nineties. 
And now he has uh, what's called the Dexter Romweber duo, which is him and his sister, and they they tour. And he's he is this phenomenal. He's he's Jack White's favorite. Oh, that's all. Awesome. Sure. Yeah, yeah, they've had some you know, right there. Yeah, and, yeah. and Jack actually, Jack White just pr- produced a. Uh, uh, Dexter's last album. Oh, that's super cool, man! It's so totally you, worth checking out. You Dexter always Rumble. see him when he comes into town. I always see him when he comes into town. He just, oh man, he. I, I saw him in L.A. one time at the Troubadour, and uh, he was he was playing right after this uh, punk rock group from from Long Beach, and there are all these punk rock kids from Long Beach over there, and they finished their set, and then Dexter setting up his own amps, you know, and he, he looks <laughs> like a roadie, and all the, you could see all these kids sort of looking at the guy, wondering what was going on, and I said. And I went up to him and I said, "Have you? Do you know who Dexter Romweber is?" And they said, "No." And I said, "Do yourself a favor, stick around fifteen minutes, just check it out." And by the end of this guy's set, every the whole place the was crowded kids. up awesome. against the stage, and he was thrashing, and they were so into it. He actually at one point was was jumping around playing guitar, sweating his ass off. He turned, hocked a loogie. Hit a girl in the face by accident. <laughs> she shook it off and kept rocking. That's awesome. He's that she, good. Yeah, yeah. She's so he's so good. He can spit in your face and, <laughs> yeah. and you'll like <laughs> it. Cool. You'll like it. And I also see, in October I'm going to be seeing. Um, I always see, I try to see um, a Rebirth Brass Band. Oh yeah, I love Rebirth Brass Band. Absolutely, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, one of my best friends from college um, and my my fraternity little brother, uh, Jonathan Myberg, is the the lead is the front man for Shearwater. Oh wow. And I really like Shearwater. Oh, super cool, dude. Yeah. So you're you're a man of many tastes. Any other any other geeky things you want to talk about before we wrap up? Uh I've been getting back into Bill Hicks. Wow. Oh, that's right. You and that's, I think yeah, that yeah. everybody who has not checked out Bill Hicks and there's a co- there's a couple of documentaries on him now. The most recent one was my favorite, I think. Uh Was that It's it's on Netflix. Was it the HBO Films one? I think it was the HBO doc. Yeah, an American. Let's, American. You know let's look it up. Can you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I just saw that one recently, but there's another one I think coming out called American, I, the Bill Hicks story. Bill Hicks documentary. Let me look this up right now. And they've been trying to. I know they've been trying to do a, a biopic for years, but it's. But not, I, it's, it looks like there was the same. I don't want to. Uh, don't. I may be wrong about this, but it looks like the same guys who did the the kid stays in the picture. Okay. The the. the the it has that same style. It is very much the same. Which is a great documentary if you haven't seen it. Mr. Ever see Kid Stays in the Picture, the Robert Evans movie? Oh, no. great. Oh, it's great amazing. Movie. Robert it Evans. won best documentary that year. I think. Yeah, the Oscars, right? Yeah, Robert. And then they did a cartoon spinoff. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. That was not as good. But uh, Robert Evans was like a famous film producer. He was just like the biggest character of all fucking time. And they did a doc about his life. Um, American the Bill Hicks Story was the 2009 documentary. Uh, let's see. Matt Harlock and Paul Thompson. That was the one that was photo animated. They did a movie called Tolmo, so it wasn't them. So I think that's the one I did see, the American, the Bill Hicks story. And you said there's another one coming out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outlaw comic, the censoring of Bill Hicks. It looks maybe like there's a was, bunch. The Bill American Hicks story. I saw it on Netflix, whichever one it was. Yeah, I think it's American, the Bill Hicks story. American. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that sounds right. But anyways... um, I've just been getting into a, a place in my life where I'm trying to appreciate what I have. And Bill Hicks is just sort of like a lot of his, his message has been my mantra. Cause you know, his last performances, he knew he was dying and he just has such a great philosophy on life and he died way too young. He was what? 50. No, no not he even was in his right? early thirties. Was, was like he that young? Holy shit. Why did I think he was? Yeah. 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 And he, but he had, but he had the soul of a 50. No, totally. Yeah. And um, I, ju- I just, I just love everything he did, and I've been, I've been going back and checking it out again. And so, if you, if you're not versed in Bill Hicks, he's, he's, 
He is, uh, in my opinion, the the greatest American comedian. Is he your all time? I was going to ask. What, He's my all time. What's your top three? Do you have another? I think if he had lived, he would have ended up eclipsing, not eclipsing, but he would it would have ended up becoming more famous than than. Uh, um, well, the other two, the Pryor and Carlin, well, I guess. George are, Carlin, are the, yeah. are the, I mean, Pryor is so different, though. Yeah, yeah, Pryor yeah. had a completely different set of objectives. Bill Hicks kind of reminds me of Lenny Bruce in a, in a lot of ways, and I think... Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I love Bill Hicks. I think he was a genius, and I don't know if he... I don't... I don't know if he was even a stand-up. But I he was—he was such an interesting, just a voice. So much you know? of yeah. his anger, and you know, he—it's—you it, can see how he and Sam Kinison came out of the same kind of absolutely. <laughs> but it's—it's this—it's this—it's this, it's this uh, progressive um, uh, guy who came out of conservative Texas, pissed off about everything, and he has such a he had such a way of 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 couching his arguments um in a way that that made you laugh at the obviousness of of common sense and 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 or at least or at least his plight in what he thought was common <laughs> sense and he had a way of of reaching people eventually that was not political that was just about the the beauty of life and and his his last message of his last, I guess it was his HBO the last HBO special his, his HBO fe- festival is the 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 epilogue of his of his monologue that night was about enjoying the ride or knowing or recognizing that life is nothing but a ride and enjoying the journey not the destination exactly. which is a big thing I've had to learn in my life too is that yeah. you know what I mean is th- Misty giving me a smile little <laughs> she might have said that a few times to me before but yeah it is it is true it's it's stopping down to enjoy the moments that get you to where you got to go as yeah. opposed to just you know planning the whole time and uh yeah. Very cool, man. So, dude, uh, this has been awesome, man. Did you yeah. have good times? Yeah, absolutely. Great, great time. Um, thank you for having me. No, please, thank you. Uh, so, like we said, everyone, uh, check out Hell on Wheels, obviously. Um, you've got, uh, do, you, do you denounce your theater work when you do it on, on your Twitter and stuff like that? I mean, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm I, sure. I will definitely be, if I, if I do a play in the next, uh, during the, the hiatus, I'll tweet about it. it, it it's, it's, it's hard because it, it requires, theater requires so much time. Like, I can go and do a quick, uh, independent film for four weeks, or I can even do a two week stint on a studio film, and, and that's fast. Yeah. That's, but if I'm, if theater is, you're at least four weeks of rehearsal, you got three weeks of previews, then you've got, you know, usually open for three or four weeks. That's a, that's it's a, a commitment. So it's hard yeah, to fit yeah. that into a hiatus. But if you can, I guess. Um, so, so no, absolutely do And we hope to see you in, in tons of other things. Have you ever, uh, and we should talk about your writing for a minute. So you, you write a lot of plays or. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really, I haven't had a full length play produced yet. Um, and I, I haven't really had a lot of time for writing recently, but I've been writing, yeah, I, I just had a reading in New York right before second season, and I was I was so fortunate to have a great great cast, including Tim Blake Nelson. Oh wow, read a role that I'd written. Awesome, yeah. And um, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm having fun with that. That's I'm cool, occasionally man. submitting to conferences or contests. Is that is that a career goal though? It's definitely get some of your own plays mounted. I would love to have one of my plays produced. Um, my manager is actually a very very big in the world of of fighting autism and uh we have an idea for something that i want to write involving 
involving that. So that's oh, cool. sort of, I think, next on the slate after I get done rewriting a couple other things. Awesome, dude. You're a busy man. And I, I definitely appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule to yeah. stop by and chat with us. Um, where can folks find you online? Uh, it's the Twitter, it's at Anson Mount. Yeah, right? Right? My Twitter is at Anson Mount, and I've got a, a Facebook page as well. Um, uh, yeah. And you update and you tweet pretty frequently, so I mean, I do. And you seem to respond to most of most of the people who tweet at you too, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I mean, when I'm working, it's not always possible, but but yeah. You mean you're not gonna? Sure. Wouldn't it be great if we saw Bohannon with a cell phone in one hand and a gun in the <laughs> yeah. other? Just uh, that's awesome, dude. And again, Hell on Wheels season two right now, and uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Misty. For me. Where can we find you on the interwebs? Uh, at me, Misty Don. At me, that's yep. it. MrDawn.com, YouTube, Twitter, all yeah, that. I'm on Twitter at Camel Toad, um, Camel Toad Productions. I just want to say really quickly, um, I we actually geek, folks. Uh, we've spoken about it on the show, my graphic novel that I was kickstarting. We got it. Uh, I want to thank everyone so much. We're going to be talking about it a lot more in the future, but uh, there will be a graphic novel that I wrote, drawn by Axel Ortiz, coming out in the next few months, hopefully, and, and stay tuned for information on that. And I'm mm. super, super excited. And uh, oh, we should also say before we go this week, a ins- a very, very, very happy birthday to my mom, to the mother of my Debbie. best friend in the world. Happy birthday, Misty's mom. Debbie. What's her name? Debbie. Debbie. Happy birthday, yeah. Debbie. Happy birthday, Debbie. Love you. Happy Thanks for listening. To- you don't want to hear me. To myself. Debbie. I love my mom too much to sing to her. Okay. Debbie, you're the best. Stay young, kid. Happy birthday. (laughs) What did we learn today, Misty? Uh, Oh, man. I always put put you on the spot. You can never come up. I know. You never. It's not fair. We learned today that I... My name is Misty Dawn. That your name is Misty Dawn. I learned my name today. And that horses aren't always scary. And sometimes they kick other horses. Sometimes they kick other horses. That's what we learned today. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Matt Cullen. It's been begged to board. It's been real. What? Yeehaw. Bagged and boarded. Matt and Jesse watch lots of movies, get mad ladies, smoke mad doobies. Bag and boarded, it's a way in life. Tell your friends, tell your moms, tell your hoe, tell your wife. Coming at you on a weekly basis, kicking up pod for your sexy faces. Who's a two free kids you want to bone? In the secret podcast bunker all alone On the internet we be the top crooks We got issues and we don't need funny books Homie Jimmy Moore and the dinos are chillin' Me and JR we got the top villain Sit down, relax, and yo, and take a seat Get ready for the top podcast, you all agree Others spit loud, but I can spit faster I'm Matt Cohen, I'm the Geek Master I got everything you could possibly want in it An hour of us in the Brento minute I'm a little laid back and he's making a little maniacal Could we just talking shit? Who said the show was viable? Walking in the door, smoking bad Jimmy Moore You're listening from Alabama, all with a Singapore just two weeks and that's the topic of discussion Had each other's folks on the green on nothing Quick stop and night till the storming like a typhoon It's not right, it's wrong, it's taking lots of balls Cause we each and every show, everyone celebrates Cause we got comics, movies, and a little penetration I regret every episode as soon as it's recorded Cause I'm down to earth and matters out in orbit We're not quite right, our thoughts are distorted So now we present to you another bag of boarded Bagged and boarded, bagged and boarded Bagged and boarded, bagged and boarded Bagged and boarded, bagged and boarded Bagged and boarded, yeah! This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.